0: And now, introducing the man who, upon learning of today's canceled spacewalk due to space junk, grabbed his crotch and said, Space junk? I got your space junk right here. There you go. His temperament is as soft as my New York accent. He is Glenn Clark.
1: Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. We're here. We're happy to have you with us on a Tuesday edition of the program. Today's show is brought to you by Window Nation. It's cold. It's just cold. I don't know what else there is to say. Cold weather has arrived, and that means one thing, higher energy bills. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help for December only. Get a house of windows for only $99 a month. That's basically a cup of coffee per day. Call Window Nation today, 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Coming up on the program today, it's Tuesday. So Patrick Stevens is going to join us. We will uh, talk a little bit about uh, Maryland's trip down to the Bahamas. Win over Richmond, lost to Louisville, plus a huge win for UMBC as they went on the road over the weekend and beat Pitt, uh, the second ACC program that they've defeated in recent memory. I'm sure you might uh, be aware of the other one they got a win over a little while back. So we'll talk to Patrick Stevens about all of that. Also coming up this morning, the great Mike Tirico is going to join us. He was on the call for the... um The Ravens' victory on Sunday night over the Browns. We'll get his thoughts on all of it, on the good, the bad, the ugly, the whole deal, as um, the great Mike Tirico will join us a little bit later on in the program. So that's coming up on the show today. I got a bunch of stuff that I want to get to. Paul, I am blown away. First of all, I'm remit. I utterly, I'm so sorry yesterday, uh, no point during the show that I wish all of our friends a happy Hanukkah and I apologize profusely for this, and I'm very bad at this, right? Like, uh, My buddy Gary Stein called me unrelated yesterday, and I remembered. I was like, all oh, right, I need to wish Gary a happy Hanukkah. But I was texting with Stan the Fan. Utterly forgot to wish Stan the Fan a happy Hanukkah. Uh, Kenzalas called me this morning on an unrelated topic. Utterly forgot. I'm very bad at this. I'm very bad. I am very sorry. I am so sorry. And I love Hanukkah. I had, uh, once upon a time, a former intern who... Um, I think I actually weaseled my way into an invite for Hanukkah dinner, if I remember correctly, was the way that it worked. Like, I think we were just talking on the air one day, and I was like, it was the it was a year in which Hanukkah was happening before Thanksgiving, which is, is very early. Like, it seems early this year. That there was, whatever year this was, it was very early. And I was just like, I was like what's Hanukkah dinner all about? And he's like, what's well, brisket and lox? I'm like, that sounds pretty good. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you invite me? And he's like, do you want to be invited? I'm like... I don't know, maybe, yeah, I might want to be invited. <laughs> Is there something wrong with that? And so he invited me. And um, uh, Max, who I, I love, great kid, uh, he and his mom and, and her family had us over, and it was we had a lovely time at Hanukkah dinner. I love, I'm all in. I'm all in any festive gathering for food. I want to make that very clear. I will always be supportive of such an event. But a very happy Hanukkah to uh, all of our friends uh, who are celebrating, and my apologies for not mentioning it yesterday. Um, With that in mind, I am blown away by the reaction to the news that Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame. And it's delicious to me. Like, I have to acknowledge that. It is utterly delicious to me. And part of the reason why I like it is because I am for breaking down the foundations of anything in the world of sports where people believe that they are better than someone else because of their sports-related identity. I am all for the evening and the leveling of the playing field. I hate the notion that that anyone finds an identity within the world of sports, which is so trivial in, 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 the, in the realities of the world, and thinks that makes them a better person. There are genuinely people that because they root for Notre Dame football – they are angry today because they believe this type of thing. This can happen at other places. This doesn't happen at Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame is way too important. Notre Dame is way too significant for something like this to happen at Notre Dame. If it wants to happen at Oklahoma, that's one thing. If it wants to happen at you know Texas Tech, yes yeah, it, you it can happen at any of those places. But at Notre Dame. At holier-than-thou Notre Dame, this does not happen here. And it makes me so abundantly happy to watch people's foundations come crumbling down and a reminder that none of this S matters. None of it. And I know you might be saying to yourself, Glenn, don't you do sports for a living? I do. And it makes me abundantly happy that we get these reminders that none of this matters. Now... It certainly matters to Brian Kelly. That he's going to be making ninety-five million dollars over the next ten years. Mm. So that that matters. But none of this—you are not better than anyone else in the world because you have a loose association with Notre Dame University. Notre Dame is in no ways better or more significant than any other university that exists anywhere else. It's not. The fact that it has been treated that way and NBC has put the football games on TV and the Catholic religion has held it up as being this holier-than-thou thing does not actually mean crap. And I love when our institutions come crumbling down because it's a reminder. All of this is a child's game. All of it is. And I'm glad that Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame not because, I, I've gotten over my hatred for Notre Dame. I've really gotten over my hatred for just about anything other than Duke, right? Like, <laughs> I don't hate things. I'm too old for that. I have small children. I have, I have things that actually matter. I, I don't, I, again, I am the, the spitting image of the person that was the ugly, dumb sports fan for years in my life and needed to get some perspective to understand why none of that actually mattered. And children provided that perspective for me, and I'm grateful that they did. Because it is completely, you, you cannot pretend to me that this stuff actually matters more than it does. There is, if you're angry today about Brian Kelly leaving for LSU, you have a problem. Seek help. None of this matters. None of it does. No one is being mistreated. Oh, these poor, these poor kids at Notre Dame. They believe that they had their coach. It just happened at Oklahoma the day before. Were you yelling and screaming and ranting and raving? Or do you only care because it happened at the program that you love and that you thought was so bloody important? Because, again, for decades we've we've perpetuated this nonsense that Notre Dame football is some holy thing, that it's not. It is a for-profit football program. That's what it is. It is not a living embodiment of Jesus Christ, it's just a football program. That's it. It's a football program that's won as many national championships in the last 30 years as Maryland. That's true. That's all it is. The, you, I get it. If you are a Catholic, you think Notre Dame, you might, you might think Notre Dame is very important. And perhaps within your own religion, it is. But in the real world, it's just a football team. It doesn't matter. And these things, the institutions need to be broken down. We need to be reminded that this stuff is irrelevant. You know what matters? Donating clothes to helping up Mission, to lift people up. You know what doesn't matter? Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame. I guess if you like LSU, it it matters to you. You're happy about it, right? Like you think that you... I mean, maybe you think you got a good coach. I think Brian Kelly's a decent coach. I, it's very difficult to tell, right? There's so many inherent advantages to being the Notre Dame coach that I don't really know how good someone is as a coach because they had mild success. Um, I, I just don't. I, like, You like they take a year like this where, like, Notre Dame, based on record, you'd say, oh, they're really good, right? But they didn't beat anybody, they didn't win a game that mattered. They, they played a schedule with a bunch of teams that weren't very good. And they stockpiled wins. The one good team they played all year, they lost. Like I don't really know how good of a coach Brian Kelly is. I think he's better than average. I think he's, you know, he's been pretty consistent in winning.
0: Was that your nickname in college? What better than average? Better than I average. wish. I wish.
1: <laughs> My nickname was better than Ezra. I remember running through the wet grass, falling a step behind. Desperate. Greatest Norm McDonald joke of all time. Boy, that was, that was something Norm, else. Greatest Norm McDonald joke of all time was, uh, I mean, I don't know. He had a lot of really good ones. But uh, the one where he goes on SNL and he was like, and on the music charts this summer, the number one band was better than Ezra. The number two band, Ezra. <laughs> so brilliant. God, he's such a genius. Oh, I miss him so much. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about uh, Brian Kelly. I really don't. I don't. It's, it's a weird – Notre Dame is a weird place. It's a weird place where you get to have all your games on national TV, whether you're good or not, right, and, like, you don't have to worry about that. So there's inherent recruiting advantages. There's an entire religion that exists that, like, builds you up, and it's a very popular one within this country. Catholicism, I don't know if you've heard, is a pretty popular religion. Uh, some of the presidents still have to fake like they are, not Biden. I think he actually legitimately is, which is hilarious, he actually legitimately is Catholic, but others I'm pretty sure were faking the fact that they were Catholic because that's how they were going to get elected. Um, this is, it's, I, I, there are so many advantages that, that come with the job that I don't know what the the... The mark would have to be for me to know that someone that was at Notre Dame was a really quality coach. I just don't know what it would be. Brian Kelly never won a national championship. I, it's hard to win national championships. I mean, it's very difficult to do it. Very few schools have. Alabama wins a lot of them. Uh, Clemson snuck a few in. Ohio State mixed in a couple over the years. Florida, that's about the list, right? Like, every now and then somebody else – USC had a few there for a little while. Everybody else peels off one. You know, like uh, the Texas and Oklahoma peeled off one in this century. The, the 2000s, I don't mean in the last actual 100 years. So I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. But I I know that it's not... That those of you that are screaming and freaking out and don't believe this thing could happen, I'm so glad you got this reminder. I'm so glad you got this reminder that this stuff doesn't matter. And if you're Brian Kelly and you wake up one day and you're like, man, I don't really like it here. I just don't. Like I've been here for a long time because it's a good job and... They paid me well, but, like, man, this other school called, and, frankly, I'd rather be there than here. Done. You have every right to make that decision in the same way that every kid that plays college football, nobody's screaming about the fact that um, uh, Terrence Lewis, who was a very highly rated prospect that was signed by the University of Maryland, five-star, five-star kid, was hurt, not able to play at all during his first season, has now entered the transfer portal. So Maryland spent an entire year trying to help the kid uh, recover from an injury, and he was taken care of and and all that. Nobody's screaming about the fact that he's just going to get up and walk out, and they shouldn't be because this is the way it should work this is this is not a place somebody would say the coaches do have contracts well so write the contract so the coaches can't leave if that's what you want, if you want to write a contract that way right now, if you want if you're LSU and you want to hire away Brian Kelly. And you're worried about Brian Kelly deciding in three years he's not happy there and he wants to leave somewhere else. Then make a contract that's impossible for him to break. You obviously don't really want to do that because it might make it more difficult for you to break that contract should it not pan out. But this is the nature of the world. If I get a better offer somewhere tomorrow to go do, I'm gonna say Paul, I love you, but sorry, it's over. It's, It's it's he's gonna do the same to me. This is the way that it works. I mean, some exceptions obviously, like we're not, you know, go out of your way to screw somebody. But like this is this is the way the world works. You have a great job, right? Like if you, Joe, Joe Johnson, sitting at home. You have a job, it's fine, you're happy there. Whatever it is that you do, you're a taxidermist. Some other taxidermy company comes along and says, We want to offer you a different job. Okay, well talk to me. What would would it pay more? Yeah, pay a little bit more. Okay. And there's some interesting benefits involved. I think I'm gonna leave for that taxidermy job. That's the way it goes. There's something to scream about about that. And the notion that it can't happen to Notre Dame is a fallacy. And I'm so glad that it happened to Notre Dame as a reminder that it couldn't happen to Oklahoma. I'm glad it happens to these places as a reminder that none of this matters. Let the kids leave. Let the kids go wherever they want to go. Let the coaches go where they want to go. All this this holier, this, this moral high ground stuff that we want to try to find. Well, he, was, he looked in these kids' eyes and said, I'm going to be your coach for four years. Okay? And if the school had fired him, what would have happened? Not that I'm suggesting that Notre Dame would have fired Brian Kelly. They certainly wouldn't have. But stop. Get a hold of yourself. This isn't as important as you're making it out to be. This isn't a, a, a traitor of the country or of the state. Get a grip. Get a grip. I don't really understand. I don't. I don't know why Brian Kelly would rather be at LSU than Notre Dame. I don't know if he just thinks that you can't win a national championship at Notre Dame because they're not in the conference, and it makes it extremely difficult to win a national championship. I've thought. I've had that thought myself. It's very difficult. Although they got. A, they got gifted into a national championship game a few years ago that they had no business being in. They got their asses handed to them by Alabama because they clearly were not the second best team in the country. They were just able to take advantage of a, of a of a soft schedule, when you. When you handpick the games that you're going to play, you have to count on those teams being good to help you. And like USC for years was good, and that was a good game for Notre Dame to play. But USC has been bad in recent years. Stanford's not been you know as good. These games that once upon a time were helpful now playing the ACC schedule was supposed to be helpful to Notre Dame, but this year the ACC was garbage, it was was terrible. So playing an ACC schedule didn't help them whatsoever. I don't know if joining the ACC will help them. They're going to be fine. They're going to get their choice of whatever the next coach is they want. They can pry away Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, which would be difficult to do um, because, you know, he's getting ready for a college football playoff likely. Could they pry away Matt Campbell from Iowa State? A lot of people think that the Marcus Freeman, their defensive coordinator, could be in play to be elevated to the head coaching role. I know a lot of people are like, well, they could end up into the playoff. Probably not. Like, it's... It's not impossible, but probably not. With them not having another game to play and other teams having games to play, like if Oklahoma State wins against Baylor this weekend, they would almost certainly jump Notre Dame um in the college football playoff rankings the only reason why notre dame would get into the college football playoff would be because there was conspiracy to get notre dame into the college football playoff that's the only reason like if they got in it would be proof that the system was a fraud so could they get in yeah because maybe the system purely is a fraud right like that's totally possible you might be right about that um and so it's weird and if the problem that people have is the timing of all of this I've talked about this before with like college, with, with NFL coaching jobs. It is very weird for there to be NFL teams preparing for the most important games of their, their season, the most important games of their lives in some instances, while their top assistant coaches are distracted and have their mind elsewhere interviewing for jobs. It's always been very weird to me. And if you want to say this is very weird too, I don't disagree with that. I don't know how you fix it. The schools all want to have coaches in place for this early recruiting period. It's, it's important to them by the time they get to the signing day that they have coaches in place and that those coaches can walk in. Like that, that for LSU and the kids that have been recruited by Ed Orgeron, for Brian Kelly to be able to walk in and try to, to keep those kids around. It's a very difficult – I don't know what the answer is, but is it super weird – that coaches that still have games to play are interviewing or taking other jobs, yeah, it's a weird bit. It's definitely a weird bit for the sport as a whole. And and would be far weirder if you're Luke Fickle and you have a chance to win a national championship and Notre Dame comes calling, I don't know what you'd do. I mean, I really don't. I have no clue what you do in that circumstance. Because it might be your only chance to get the Notre Dame job. They might do the bit. Uh, I just watched a... Uh, king richard the uh, the richard williams serena williams venus williams movie and they, they there was a scene in there where the guy from nike puts a contract in front of a 14 year old venus williams and is like yeah but this contract is good for tonight only it disappears like if they if notre dame does that bit with luke fickle this week and says look you can take the job or not but if you don't take it we're we're the contract's going away we're gonna go hire somebody else because we're not sitting around and waiting what do you do Your team's getting ready to play for a national championship, potentially. I mean, we all know it's very unlikely. We all know the most likely scenario is Cincinnati gets into the playoff and gets their ass handed to them in the semifinals, but they're still there. I mean, they're they're still in it. They still have a shot. They're one of the four teams in the country that would. Do you just bail on your team to take the Notre Dame job? And if you don't, do you regret it because... By the time your team has played, everybody's likely to have hired their coach. It's a super weird spot to be in, man. And it's a super weird way to go about doing business. I I can't argue with That's the only part of this I can't argue with. I'm totally fine with Brian Kelly leaving and this nonsense about this doesn't happen at Notre Dame. Get get a life. But you want to say the system is weird at all levels of football where the most important games are being played at the same time as those coaches are being poached for other jobs is weird there used to be a rule that like during the world series baseball teams couldn't hire their manager somebody somebody didn't do that somebody hired a manager during the world series this year i don't remember who it was and i don't know what major league baseball there used to be like a you don't do this type of rule but it's it's not it's less common for baseball teams to be specifically hiring like the bench coaches of the teams that are left in the playoffs or something along those lines. I It's all very weird. It's all that that part of it I'm with you. It's it's very weird. But I'm glad. I'm glad that those of you that think that Notre Dame is so scary important got that reminder. I am very happy about that. Ooh. Those Navy uniforms look sharp for the Army game. Thank you, Brian, Powell. appreciate that. I mean, everybody, Army and Navy always wear very sharp uniforms for the Army-Navy game, but these ones, uh, Army put theirs out yesterday, and Navy just put theirs out today. Navy's, look, they're doing uh, like a top gun almost type of bit. It, it's, it's quite good. looks quite good. All right, uh, Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Um, I, I, I was watching the football game last night. And I got this thought. I obviously Washington is not not good. Seattle is an abomination. I I don't know what's happened there. That is yeah. that is.
0: It was an ugly game.
1: Well, it was it was a horrendous game. But what's happened to Seattle as a whole is is perplexing. It's perplexing because Russell Wilson's back now. Is Russell Wilson still actually hurt and just trying to play through it and? That's what the story is because, like, the ball, some of the balls he's throwing, they are
2: awful. They Mm -hmm.
1: just look the first throw he made of the night, he sailed. It was an out like six yards on the sideline, and he sailed it five yards over his receiver's head. I mean, it, it, some of the balls he's throwing look terrible. There
0: was more than one occasion where I said, Wow, that was an ugly throw. So
1: maybe he's just still really hurt. Like, maybe that really is the story on Russell Wilson is he's really just still hurt and he just tried to come back early and. You know, they knew they weren't winning anything with Geno Smith anyway, so they were like, "Look, you know, if you if you can come back, sure, we'll give it a shot." But it's it's an abomination right now, and it really is to the point where like, are they going to fire Pete Carroll at the end of the season, or will he decide it's time to retire at the end of the year? There have been some that had suggested that maybe he tries to you know slink his way back in and take a college job at some point. You know, he's at an advanced age. I don't really know if that's smart. But Nick Saban's at an advanced age, too, as my friend uh, uh, Sarita Hubbard pointed out last night on Twitter. I don't know what happens there. And Pete Carroll's decision-making has perplexed me for a long time. I've I've always thought Pete Carroll was a better um, leader of men than he was an X's and O's football coach. Mm. Um, But, you know, he's had success, right? Like, he was... He was a Marshawn Lynch run away from being a two-time Super Bowl champion. Um, you know, you can't deny the fact that he has had success as an NFL head coach. So what happens there, that's not my concern particularly because we don't live there. I, I, that's their problem that they've right. got to deal with. Russell Wilson's future, a lot of people think that Russell Wilson could end up elsewhere, that Seattle could just straight up decide to move on entirely from everything. We, we heard that he was unhappy this past offseason. Mm-hmm. There have been lots of thoughts that – Like, if Denver can't land uh, Aaron Rodgers this offseason, that maybe they're the ones that end up coming up with Russell Wilson.
0: Why is every quarterback linked to Denver?
1: Because they've got the roster. Because you see what what they did against the Chargers this weekend, and you look at that roster and say they've got some good young wide receivers, they've got a defense, um, they've got uh, Javante Williams looks like a talented young running back, they they've got a roster that you look at and you say if they had a quarterback mm-hmm. like they're they're competitive right now. Yeah. If they had a quarterback, they could be a real threat. Like if they had a quarterback, they just it looks like they're just a quarterback away from being a real threat. Um but we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Not my concern. But what jumped out at me the most in watching that game was maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Russell Wilson can't run the ball anymore. But like late in the game when nothing was working, they decided to try a couple of design runs and like he picked up a first down on first and ten and he ran and ran for twelve yards. And I just said to myself, there appears to be an epidemic. And it made me think about the Ravens, and it made me think about this thing that I've talked about at nauseum with Lamar Jackson. And I don't understand what has happened where all the NFL teams have gotten together and said Remember how we all figured out that quarterbacks running could be a bit of a cheat code? Let's make sure we don't do that anymore. Let's all get together and prevent quarterbacks from running. And it boggles my mind because I think there are a lot of layers to it. And I, you'll never be able to get a straight answer about any of this. But it's terrified me in Baltimore. Like, There's no reason why you shouldn't be purposely running Lamar Jackson more. Purposefully. Not, hey, if it's not there, then you can take off. I mean, that being a part of your game plan. And I have wondered since last season if Lamar Jackson and his camp heard all of the idiots around the country saying, well, we're not really sure if he can. he's actually a quarterback. He's more just a running back that uh, lines up under center. And they heard all the people that said, no one lasts for for 15 years as a running quarterback. That doesn't happen. And all of these things, and they said to themselves, well, we got to make sure we stop running the ball. Or if the Ravens, in negotiations for a contract, said, well, look, man, we don't want to go too far. Because remember, you're you're still more of a running quarterback than you are a passing quarterback. And then the camp went back and said, well, you tell you what, we're going to stop being a running quarterback then. I, I don't know what's happened. And it's similar to what I saw from Seattle last night. I'm perplexed. Russell Wilson looks like a mess. They can't get anything going offensively. Why are you not having Russell Wilson run the football? Why would, And I get it, their offensive line stinks too. But I don't get this. I'm so confused as to why it is that NFL teams have all gotten together and decided we don't want our quarter we want to draft these quarterbacks with this unbelievable athletic ability to have them not use it and we've got this this myth as I keep talking about that it's related to the fact that running quarterbacks get hurt more frequently is a myth we've got all of the numbers. We just had this conversation with Dan Wilcox yesterday where I'm like, Dan, you've got to explain to me why it is that a quarterback is more susceptible to getting hurt running the ball downfield than they are to get hurt behind a stinky O-line and running around panicked for their life the way that Lamar was a few times on Sunday night and taking hits back there. You're going to have to explain that to me if you want me to go. And you can't. You, of course, can't explain that because you're not, you're not at greater risk of getting hurt running in the open field than you are in, in, in the backfield. In fact, simple logic would suggest you're at less risk because you have more vision when you're in the open field of where that hit might be coming from and what you can do to elude it. Whereas if you're bottled up in the backfield and the tackles are over here and you can't escape that area, you're almost certainly going to end up taking a hit. I have a problem in general with how much the Ravens are asking workload-wise from Lamar Jackson. I don't think it's sustainable. But what I know for sure is that that doesn't mean they should suddenly stop having Lamar run the ball. Whether he's throwing the ball or running the ball... And they didn't stop. As I pointed out, he ended up running the ball 17 times. Whether he's throwing the ball or running the ball, he's susceptible to taking a hit on the play no matter what. But what I know is when he's running the ball, he's one of the most dynamic humans on the face of the planet. He has a skill set that is unparalleled. He is one of one. As a passer, he's good. At times, very good. On Sunday night, he obviously was not very good. But as a runner, he is literally unmatched. I don't get it. I don't understand what has happened. And it feels like it's just an old school way of thinking that has crept into football that all of the nonsense that is spewed on daily talk shows or on Twitter has had impact in some way. I'm not saying the Baltimore Ravens got together, watched the Skip Bayless program, and said, well, we got to stop running, having Lamar Jackson run the ball. I'm saying more along the lines of this concept has become so accepted, it has permeated so much, that they said well maybe we we lowball Lamar's camp a little bit just because we remind him hey a lot of what you're doing is as a runner and that's not thought of as valuable as being a great passer so maybe we we do that and that that is impacted decision making none of it's good none of it's helpful Limiting these players and their skill sets is insane. I made the comparison yesterday. Steph Curry is a really good mid range jump shooter, right? He's very good at it. But you would never tell Steph Curry, only shoot your mid range jumper. Stop shooting threes. Or don't shoot threes as much. It's weird.
0: For me, it's it's got to be the fear. The, the offensive line is so bad, and so bad in Seattle, too. That's got to be what it is. Because for me, I, I see them give the, like let, let Lamar take the ball in a quarterback draw, and he's running into defenders right at the line of scrimmage. But He's got nothing there. But
1: how is that any different than having him hanging out in the backfield the other night when he's just chucking the ball up to Mark Andrews yeah. and hoping for the best because he's about to get murdered? The offensive line thing, I get it. It's a problem in both places. But the idea that that means again that you're better off hanging in the pocket and throwing the football than you are trying to run, I don't know where that's coming from. I, I just don't get it. This makes no sense to me. And I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that I think that Seattle would suddenly be a threat if they just had Russell Wilson run the ball. They've got, they've got incredible problems and I don't know that I still don't know that the Ravens will ultimately be able to overcome getting so little from their running backs I'm going to say it a million times my gut tells me that one day we are going to um, end up doing the autopsy of the season and we're going to say this this was always going to happen they were always going to end up running into a game where their inability to run the football was going to doom them come the playoffs it was going to happen it was inevitable it was uh, Thanos. I, I I that's what my gut tells me. And I don't think that just having Lamar run the ball more can fix that, but I would still be doing it. It would still
0: be something that I would be doing to take advantage of the skill set that you have. Um there was a point that was last year when I was watching and I kept watching because Lamar kind of, st- I don't want to say he struggled running the ball at the beginning of the year, but their they're running, they're running attack wasn't what it was the second half in the first half of the season last year. Sure. And there was a point where I watched Lamar and they had all these quarterback design runs and he wasn't getting very much. But then when the play would break down... Well, some, he,
1: and some of that was the fact that the teams were putting... And we talked about this a lot, too, is that they are more willing to put, do the Chargers bit from years ago. Put more fast players on the field. Line up more safeties as linebackers. Do do the thing that you're supposed to do facing Lamar Jackson as a runner. And some of that has... There's, there's no doubt that has had an impact on what the Ravens can do with Lamar Jackson right. as a runner.
0: But But I watch him, and his best runs come when the play breaks down and he takes off. The problem that that I saw with Lamar that stopped happening in the second half last year is a problem I think that we're having this year. And that's not to say that he's having a bad year. I watch him and I think he's trying to do too much. He's think- He needs to just go out there and, and play, in-, in, my- in my humble opinion. Just go out there and play your game. And he's going to get better running the football and it's going to look a lot better. Not that he's having a, tr- a hard time, but I don't think we're going to have these complaints if he just stops pressing. It just looks to me like he's out there pressing.
1: Maybe I mean maybe I I don't I, certainly look. There's no doubt that it impre- appears to be pressing as a whole, but I I I don't know what changes that right. Like I think that's what comes when you don't trust your offensive line and mm-hmm. you can't get any run games. So if you can't do those things, I don't I don't know how you're changing it right? right. Like I just don't. Now a lot of people would say, well, you still need better play designs. You still need to get the ball out. There's there's other things that you can do in play calling that can be more beneficial given your circumstances. And and my answer is always the same. Maybe. Maybe. There might be still some more things the Ravens can do play calling wise to acknowledge the issues that they have and and try to work through them in a better way, but the teams that you're playing against would also expect that, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 a very difficult situation to be in. It's a very difficult thing to overcome to be this incapable up front and running the ball. Um but it it's it's weird. It seems to be an entire NFL thing that you just yeah, we just really don't want you to run. We really don't want you to do that. And it doesn't make any sense to me. Also, uh, Washington's so perfectly mediocre for the twenty twenty one NFL season. They're not good. They're but they're sitting in a playoff spot right now in the NFC. They're not they're not a good team. They're they're not dynamic in any way. They're just perfectly mediocre in a year with such mediocrity. Just be mediocre enough and you might be able to sneak your way in somehow perfect that they are the perfect representation of it and there will be people that'll start by today i'm sure on the stations in washington people are calling in like man i'm starting to believe in this team there's something to believe in there they can't actually do anything they're perfectly mediocre but that's the nfl at this point being mediocre is is very beneficial
0: their schedule doesn't really entice fear no. They got the Eagles twice, the Cowboys twice, the Raiders and the Giants. Look, the
1: the Eagles should be more dynamic than they are. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys should definitely be better, but they're they're all they're all medi-
0: everybody's mediocre. That's, Everybody in the NFL.
1: The entire league is mediocre, man. Of course they can win games. Of course they could. They're also probably gonna lose a game in there that you don't know, they'll lose the Giants or something. You'll be like, how the hell did that happen? Right. Because they're not good. They're just perfectly mediocre. Um, I know a lot of people were reacting to the the Logan Thomas touchdown that wasn't and the comparison to the David Joku thing from the night before. Mm -hmm. And I think all of your comments and your your Twitter conspiracy is warranted. That's a bad... It's a bad optic for the NFL. It's a bad optic for the NFL to have two primetime games and a situation in both where probably both of them were incomplete passes. Probably both of them were balls that touched the ground. Like, probably... Um, to have one overturned... To have that overturned last night when there was definitely not any amount of overwhelming evidence. You could not look at that video last night and say with certainty, that's an incomplete pass. There was one angle, the final angle that they showed, where you were like, I think maybe, I think maybe, but that was the extent of it. And so based on the standard that I had talked about from the night before, where... If you're, if it's not obvious, it's not supposed to be overturned, that shouldn't have been overturned last night. And if the problem is the standard, if what you're saying is, hey, the standard's not supposed to be so overwhelming. It's supposed to be, do you see it, and was it an incomplete pass? Like, you know, I, do you, okay, but then it's got to be the standard in every game. The NFL definitely has a replay problem. And the bigger issue with what happened the last two nights is in both scenarios, the call they ended up going with was the one that kept the game more interesting. And that allows for people to be conspiracy theorists. That allows for people to say, huh. The other night, you, you kept that as a touchdown, and that allowed the Browns to be closer. And then last night, you overturned the touchdown, which allowed it to still be a game for Seattle to go down and try to score. Huh.
0: On Sunday night, I had I had quite a few sodas in me. At mm. this point, when, mm. ah, you're a man when, who enjoyed a few sodas. Yeah. Um. When the t- when the touchdown that was or wasn't occurred with Njoku, and I tweeted out in my soda enraged. Right. Stupid. Those boys get that syrup in them. Um, yeah. I tweeted out. Tell me the league is run by Vegas without telling me the league is run by All Vegas. Right. Well, that's a bit over the
1: top. Yes. That's, yeah, well, the yeah. Sodas. I
0: wouldn't say it. I wouldn't have said it without soda. Right. Um. But I'm sitting there and the the the, the line was three and a half. And that kept it a three-point game.
1: Okay. I mean, that is that is a hell of a conspiracy that you're tossing <laughs> out there. Uh, the, the, the game, I don't know if you heard, it ended up being a six-point game. So yeah, like, yeah. If they were trying to throw it, they did a terrible job. They right. did a really awful job. Again. I don't know if anybody's watched the the Arizona State basketball uh, documentary. There was a, a famous uh, point-shaving uh, scandal years ago in like the mid-1990s surrounding Arizona State basketball on a player named Headache Smith. And well, H- Headache Smith? His name was... It's Devin, but, like, he went by a headache. Whatever. The point is, (laughs) there was a very famous story. This is the most famous actual point-shaving scandal that's existed, right? And and because I was very young at the time, I was, like, 11 years old, I've always thought of this as being this over-the-top, like, unbelievable thing that occurred. The truth is it happened in two games. (laughs) Like, it was – there were two games in which Arizona State would have won anyway, but the guy made sure to throw the ball away a couple times so they they didn't cover the number mm-hmm. like it didn't actually change the outcome of a game it just he manipulated the line essentially by having your point guard throw the ball away a few times late in the game they they literally attempted to do it for another game and and he got scared and he wouldn't do it any longer and they mm-hmm. covered and so that's how the whole thing came you know crumbling down they did it netflix did a documentary about it called bad sport if you haven't watched it yet they they, they got a series called bad sport in the mm-hmm. first episode is about the uh, the Arizona State point-shaving scandal. I always say this whenever people try to go down this route. What you're talking about requires such a level of conspiracy that it is essentially impossible. Everyone wants to believe that point-shaving or manipulating lines or something along those lines is something that can happen. It requires so much for that to occur that it becomes literally impossible. If even that kid from Arizona State, he does all those things that he does, but then his coach pulls him out of the game at the end, And he's like, they're like, uh, or he gets a bum ankle or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then his teammates come in and start knocking down threes, and the guy that bet a million dollars is screwed. Right. (laughs) Like, it's so difficult. Everybody likes to pretend this is an easy thing to do. It's not. It is very difficult. You have to have so many people on the come in order to do this, and frankly, no one can afford to get all of these people to be on the come. Like, they can't do that. It's not possible. Um, So, like, in your world, we're like, maybe it's a conspiracy. I— I think that when you're saying, "Hey, there's a when what, what it allows for is for people to say you want people to keep watching this game. You just don't want people to tune out."
0: Oh, I 100 think the NFL think the NFL tells its referees we need you to make calls that makes this, I, these games. better. I don't
1: believe that they would ever do that because that's on that's recorded somewhere. Somebody's got that in an email and it comes crumbling down. I don't actually believe that, right? But what allows what happens is when you have these two situations and they go two different ways it allows for someone like you to say that it someone allows like me someone like hey, whoever it is it's not you just you there are plenty <laughs> of people that do this all the time it allows for that to exist when again they're both quite close and there is absolutely some world in which the one guy goes under and says look i don't think this is completely obvious i'm not overturning it and the other guy goes under the hood and says ah I'm I'm pretty sure that's actually an incomplete pass and so I'm going to go ahead and call it. But you can't put, the NFL can't pretend like that isn't an optics problem. Mm-hmm. It's an optics problem plain and simple. All right, today's show is also brought to you by This one's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Let's talk some Terps and college hoops. Patrick Stevens joins us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Need
2: to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification ccbc continuing education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field and it's all tuition free from the basics to specialized training we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more it's your choice it's your career call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training.
1: Hey, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. Cold weather has arrived, and that means one thing: higher energy bills. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help. For a limited time, get a house of windows for only $99 a month. Rising natural gas prices are affecting everyone, but new Window Nation windows can help. Get a house of windows for only $99 a month. That's basically a cup of coffee per day. Call Window Nation today at 866-90 Nation or go online at windownation.com. This incredible deal is only good through the end of December. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you.
3: From all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at mybookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $200 with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. MyBookie.
1: Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland, an authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE-certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You got to trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com Stay tuned. Your chance to win a
4: million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio.
1: Yes, you are. It is a Tuesday edition of the program. Today's show also brought to you by the Baltimore-area Chick-fil-A restaurants. If you're looking for a simple holiday meal, then try Chick-fil-A catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. You follow him on Twitter at Discourse D1S Course. Read his stuff in the Washington Post. Let's talk some college hoops right now with our friend Mr. Patrick Stevens, who's back with us on GCR. Patrick, how are you, my friends? I am well. How was your holiday? It was lovely. It was lovely. Um it was not I don't know I don't know how you describe the the trip down to the Bahamas with Maryland. They they got a win over Richmond that I don't know that everybody thought they were going to get. They they got ha- they got killed on the boards against Louisville. Um, they 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 kind of they are they were who I thought they were for the most part. I thought during that trip.
5: Yeah, you know, I think the uh, I think the the line that Mark Turgeon had before the trip is you know maybe we'll go down there and find ourselves or or something along those lines. And, and it turns out that they're basically uh, w- what we saw for the first five games back here and back here in the states. So, uh, you know, I think for a half against uh, against Richmond, and you can make a case that they played reasonably well for the first. Twenty-five, thirty minutes or so against Louisville before the offense basically petered out. Right, uh, but you know it's it's a team that right now and and it very well may be this way all the way through is just a decent team, not a great team, not one that's likely to do much in the big picture. That doesn't mean they can't have a good win or two along the way. It doesn't mean that they won't have a clunker or two along the way. Um, but it does not seem like an especially remarkable team at this point. Uh, and I think that that means that that's probably looking like a bit of a disappointment at this stage doesn't mean they, they won't get better, but from what we've seen now, we've seen seven games, which is nearly a quarter of the regular season already, uh, that that this is a team that probably isn't going to be quite as good as everybody thought.
1: One of the things that jumps out at me, Patrick, we talked about, again, it's so early and it's, it's comical to have this conversation, but in looking at their schedule, they don't get they only get like one really good team at home. And and if this comes down to needing to have some quality wins in order to make the NCAA tournament and I don't know that it will, right? But like they might have to do that on the road this season.
5: It's possible they don't get Michigan or Purdue in College Park this year. On the bright side, I mean, they, they only have to play those teams once. once, right? Yeah. They
1: and they do get Illinois at home, correct? They
5: do get they do get Illinois at home in late January. So they play they play Illinois twice. In the first three weeks of January, and then don't see them again. So, uh, on the flip side, they see Michigan State twice at, from February 1st on. Uh, you know, they'll see Ohio State twice. I mean, there, there's certainly going to be some games that they can go collect. And if if this turns out to be a similar year to the last couple, we'll have a we'll have a whole big Big Ten love fest and it'll look like there's right. about 8 or 9 teams that are right. all going to be capable of making sweet 16 and then only one or two of them sitting there yeah <laughs> right. um, so not not that, not that I'm applying any cynicism or anything to, <laughs> yeah. to what the Big 10 has accomplished yeah. over the
1: last yeah eight years. best basketball conference in the country that's uh, uh, you yeah. d- you know it yeah.
5: uh, anyway uh, I think for for Maryland it, it, it needs to it needs to figure out things a little sooner than that um, and I think that that starts uh, a them this week against Virginia Tech and Northwestern, two teams that you know, very easily could come into College Park and win. I think Virginia Tech's probably a bit fired up after losing two games in Brooklyn in the preseason NIT. Uh, and then you have a Northwestern team that's uh, that's off to a 5-1 and one start and handled Georgia pretty easily. Not that Georgia's great or anything, uh, but they're off to a decent start. Don't really know how good they are. They lost by 5 to Providence in their only loss on a neutral court last week in Newark, New Jersey. So, you know, I think this is a a week that maybe tells us a little bit more uh, than than what we were able to learn last week with their two games in the
1: Bahamas. As Patrick points out, Wednesday night they get Virginia Tech at home, and then it's a Sunday afternoon conference opener against Northwestern, a noon tip-off for that one. Uh, all right, Patrick. Let's talk about some other things that happened this week. Yeah, uh, what a win for UMBC. I, I know Pitt is not a you know the national championship contender or anything you know a, a, a threat to win the ACC or anything like that, but still for a, a program that maybe was seeking a new identity perhaps with a new head coach, uh, what a what a statement and pretty emphatic performance on the road at Pitt. It's...
5: It was a pretty emphatic performance, but let's not forget about. Th- this is kind of a multi-game thing for them. I saw them against American earlier in the week, oh, and they yeah. made sixteen threes in that game. They went they went thirty of fifty four from three last week in those two games, uh, and I mean they were raining threes down on Pitt without any trouble at all. Uh they certainly did that to American. It was it was pretty remarkable getting to, to watch that court side as they just blistered that team. But you know, Pitt a uh, Pitt as you say, not a good team by any stretch of the imagination. You can add UMBC. Uh, to the Citadel as teams that have gone in and, and, and knocked them off, and they also lost at home to a not great but improving Vanderbilt program in the Kevin Stallings Invitational. Uh, but uh, you look at you look at what UMBC's been able to do. You don't expect them to be able to match quite this level of efficiency um, game after game after game. Uh, but it should be noted that it, it is a promising sign for them. Uh, that they have been able to to do as much as they have already this season uh, under Jim Ferry, and so you know you look at them and they've they've still got a you know I, I would not be shocked in the slightest if they go down to Georgetown next week and win. Wow, so that's not a that's not a Georgetown team that, that has been particularly right. stout at the defensive end, and uh, you know and this week they've got Columbia and a pretty good Delaware team that they're playing. So uh, yeah, a good start for for UMBC. Obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons for that. Keandre Kennedy has played really, really well for them so far, uh, and, and that's I think probably maybe their key guy at this stage. But it's not as if guys like L.J. Owens and Darnell Rogers aren't playing well either. So they have a lot of pieces, and I'm, I'm starting to think that that could be a very interesting team, maybe as interesting as anybody around here. Uh, once we get into uh, once we get into late February and early March,
1: uh, we're talking to Patrick Stevens, of course, our college hoops guru. He's with us on Glenn Clark Radio. Um, Patrick, what jumped out at me, I, I watched a, a little bit of both of Towson's games out mm-hmm. in Las Vegas, and I thought they played well against San Francisco. Obviously, they beat New Mexico. And again, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about these programs, but they they certainly seem like the caliber of programs that Towson competing with or beating is a positive sign.
5: It's I, I thought it was a great week for Towson. I mean, you start with the victory over Penn at home, basically – uh, you know Cam Holden just had yeah. about as ridiculous a line as you're going to find in that game. I think it was what was it? It was uh, it was 20 points, 19 rebounds and eight assists. The last college player to do that at the D1 level was Norris Cole wow. at Cleveland wow. State like 10 years or so ago. So that was uh, that was neat getting to see him for the first time. Uh, that is an interesting piece that that Pat Scary had and he was not afraid to make the comparison of all comparisons after the game, it's like we haven't had a guy that does stuff like that since Jerrell Benham, hmm. Hmm. and so that that's something that stands out uh, to me. You know, you mentioned the San Francisco game. That's a really good San Francisco team. And if you think back to last year, they played San Francisco basically on the exact same spot on the calendar, uh, and they got beat by eleven, and they they weren't particularly effective in that game. I thought in this one, even though the margin was ten. You you just kind of kept watching San Francisco do a lot of things right. And there was Towson hanging around, oh, it's a six-point game, oh, it's a five-point game. Uh, And so I thought that was good to turn around the next night and and to be able to handle New Mexico the way they did. I don't think that's a great New Mexico team, but that's the second time in a week that they kind of handled business against a vulnerable team. That was a Penn team earlier in the week that was playing for the fourth time in six days and looked like it. Uh, and then a New Mexico team that's in a bit of a rebuild right now. So Towson's alternated wins and losses so far, uh, and so they're four and three. But but I, I think there's a lot to like there too. And you know, you mentioned you know Terry Nolan a lot in the preseason. Yeah. You know, you have him, you have Holden. Uh, you've got you've got some good dudes here, and it's also worth pointing Now this is a team that hasn't quite been whole because of injuries and other issues. Uh, Antonio Rizzuto, Jason Gibson, and Juwan Gray. None of those guys. Uh, played last week, and so if if they can be whole, you know they'll have a, quite a bit more depth than what they illustrated in, in those three games, uh, and and that's a team I, I have to say uh, I'm increasingly liking more and more in what should be a wide open CAA this
1: season. Anything else on the local front from the last week that we need to cover? On the local front, uh, you know, I th- I think one
5: team that stood out, and I had the chance to see them on Saturday, was Navy. Okay, um, you know, you look at what they've done. Uh, they've got a four-game winning streak going, and yes, there's a non-D1 in there, but they've given up 33, 66, 40, and 40 sure. uh, points. I mean, defensively, they are really locked in right now. They they completely messed up Mount St. Mary's on Saturday afternoon. You go back and you look at that Radford victory, 47-33. I mean, you this might be the team that is playing as much to the way that Ed DeCellis wants to play as, as any Navy team he's had. And that includes last year's team that was really good, obviously. I mean, that was a 15-3 and three team right. that beat Georgetown. know, these guys already have the victory over Virginia. We mentioned Furman, which should be one of the best teams in the SOCON. Mount St. Mary's on the road. Both Furman and Mount St. Mary's and Virginia, too, I guess. All of those games on the road. You know, this is a Navy team that, you know, they, they are getting a lot of contributions from a lot of different guys, whether it's John Carter, you know, Greg Summers had a, had a good day, especially at the defensive end. Sean Yoder played well up at the Mount. A lot of guys played well. And so I, I think Navy's a team that at the moment is also standing out. I think it, it's actually a bit of a bumper crop year uh, locally with a lot of teams that have, that have gotten off to
1: pretty good starts. Uh, I am sure that there is someone today who is drastically overreacting to Gonzaga getting a battle from Tarleton State last night. Should well, that be? was
5: uh, yeah. I mean, let let's let's call that like it is. I mean, that's a uh, that's a bit of a reloading the musket game for Gonzaga right. after having had la- the the week that they had last week. You would kind of expect maybe a little bit of a letdown, uh, and that's a uh, as as much as we knock uh, Billy Gillespie for. All of the various issues that he's run into in his career, he's always been a good. He's always been a good ball coach.
1: It's fair. Uh,
5: it's fair. And so, you know, Tarleton State going in there uh, and being able, you know, they played Michigan to an eleven-point game last week. So, not that Michigan's been off to a great start or anything, uh, but Tarleton State hasn't exactly been getting rolled by some of the high-profile teams on their schedule. So, I, 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 I would just simply write off one game. I mean, the amazing thing with Gonzaga is, is that. You look back to last year; there wasn't really a game in that regular season where you went, "Gosh, you know they're they were really really vulnerable in this one." Uh, you know, you, you'd like to think that you get a little bit of a mulligan once or twice a season that you're just going to put out a C plus effort. And, you know, in this case, you put out a C plus effort and you still won by nine. So, move it along, and they'll play they'll play Alabama, a team that obviously had a kind of surprising loss to Iona down in Orlando over the weekend and then responded with a couple victories over Drake in Miami. That's an Alabama team I still like a lot. And so that game in Seattle, I think one of the best non-conference games still on the schedule. All
1: right. The only other thing I would say, I, I, you and I were talking on Friday night about the the Duke and Zaga game, which, you know, got a lot of attention and, you know, I love these, these matchups early in the season. They're massive. They're outstanding. The only thing I'll say is like, I, I didn't think in watching the second half of that game. The game was actually quite as good as everybody's was making it out to be. It seemed a little sloppy to me as that game went on and you know, Duke Duke gets a big win. There's no debating that. Like that's a big win that is a statement for Duke and a reminder they're they're not they're probably not going to be the Duke of a season ago. No, they they're not.
5: They they're a lot better. And uh, you know, I think some of some of what you got with the excitement there is, you probably had some people that are very NBA centric that were just uh, enjoying themselves watching two of the guys that are going to be among the top five, five or so picks in the draft next year. Maybe the top two picks in the draft. I, I think the one thing that stood out to me is you could say you could say that the second half was sloppy, and it was. I mean, there, there were it was not as good as the, as well as the first half was played. I don't think there's any question about that. But I think the thing to be excited about is you saw glimpses of how good both of those teams could be. Sure, And the thought that, you know, if they stay on track, that those are the sorts of teams that that could be playing meaningful games in March and early April. Uh, that that's something to be excited about as a as a possibility for down the road. I say that and, and watch they both lose in the Sweet Sixteen right, right, this year, right, and right. and it, it, those are not quite they don't the potential isn't quite realized. But I do think that the thing I took away is that both of those teams played at a decent level already in November, uh, and there's a chance, especially given how well coached both of those programs are, uh, that they'll be a lot better. Uh, come March, and and maybe even with a rematch somewhere down the road.
1: All right, it's time for our game. Can Patrick Stevens name all of the MLB teams that this player played for? Uh, My five-team guy is actually a six-team guy. And, again, as I said, all the five-team guys, they're difficult at this point. There's no getting around that. We are running low on that list. A two-time All-Star, once finished third in Cy Young voting. Six teams for Brad Penny. Brad Penny. Okay. Well, Brad Penny
5: was definitely a Florida Marlins. He most certainly was. And Brad Penny was definitely an L.A. Dodger. For five years he was. And after that, it gets a little dicey. It does get
1: dicey. There's one other multi-year stop and one other one that I remember well. Okay. I feel like Brad Penny was a Diamondback at one point. Not a Diamondback. Really? Yeah. Okay.
5: Yeah, this this one might this might, one might this, be yeah. this one might be uh, yeah. I might have gotten more than I bargained for. Here. I'm,
1: I'm telling you, I'm admitting that a lot of these guys that are left on the five team list are for you and I sitting over at Coppin State one night to go through <laughs> off the air because, like, <laughs> I'm I'm just not sure that you can name all the teams that any human being. I don't know that Esteban Loiza could name all of the teams that Esteban Loiza pitched for okay. in his life. Yeah. Uh
5: well, I I, th- I think he's where I think he's playing for a team that has
1: horizontal stripes at this point if i recall right (laughs) you might be Um, right i don't i don't know actually you might be right about that um was brad penny in cleveland no wow i really oh man now i feel bad this is this is not going well this is not going well it's not going well no um was he Brad a Penny in <laughs> Boston? Let him finish. Let him oh, finish. Sorry. Let him finish. Uh, Brad Penny was in Boston, yes. He did spend the season. I remember that one well for some reason. Okay. He did For some, for some reason. Yep. And Well, I think it's because he was on the World Series team in, um, in 03. In 03, he was on the World Series team for the Red Sox. Okay. Yep.
5: Um, Brad Penny. Elsewhere for Brad Penny. Where else would Brad Penny have been?
1: Um... I don't know. Oakland? Not Oakland, no. Ugh, that's rough. All right, what was your guess, uh, Paul? What did, what did you was think? he a Padre? Not a Padre, no. Not a Padre, but close. He was a giant for two years. Okay. That was the only other multi-year stop. The other stops were uh, nine games started in St. Louis, and then he spent a season in Detroit in 2011. So that was the Brad Penny run. So let's just wash the taste out of our mouth and go ahead and tell me the four teams that Roger Clemens pitched for.
5: Roger Clemens pitched for Boston, Toronto,
1: the New York Yankees, and Houston. All right, so we can wash the taste out of our mouth and move forward. Uh, Patrick Stevens, what's your schedule? Where are you headed this week? Headed to Georgetown tonight. They
5: play Longwood, a team that's actually playing reasonably well early in the season and could be a big South threat. We'll be in College Park tomorrow, Virginia Tech in town, uh, for an ACC Big Ten Challenge game. And then uh, and then come, uh, come Thursday night, back to Towson. They have uh, Long Island and Derek Kellogg's team. Uh, and so that's uh, that. That's how the early portion portion of the week looks. Uh, looking at Saturday afternoon game, Loyola and Mount Saint Mary's first regular season look at the Greyhounds uh, in a rivalry game uh, that I'm glad to see back on the schedule.
1: Yeah, year. one of the longest standing like rivalries in all of college basketball, in fact, between Loyola and Mount Saint Mary's. At discourse D1s course is how you follow them on Twitter. Patrick Stevens, always appreciate it, my friend. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. All right. It's... Awesome. Take care, Glenn. Patrick Stevens he joins us every Tuesday here on GCR. Yeah, it's uh, you, uh, I show you this list of guys that I. So the rules for the Patrick Stevens game are they have to have played for at least five years past 1980, and they had to have made at least one All-Star appearance. And I've got the list like the rest of the guys that played for at least five teams. It is a, ugh, it is a gross looking list. Here, Patrick, Patrick's not listening. So I've got these are the names I've got left. Uh Yonder Alonso, Andrew Bailey, Ronnie Belliard, Jason Barre, Ricky Bonas, Ricky Batalico. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a gross, mm. it's a gross list. The only one of, I could
0: get close on would be Yonder Alonso, and I'd still be. I, I be don't, off. I
1: don't know that I would get more than two.
0: Yeah, probably not. You know, I, mean, I, I don't think I could.
1: It's the, it's the, uh, ugh, it's a gross list. All right, uh, our number one of today's show is in the books. The Tyus Bowser Show, I know you guys, I, I appreciate the fact that you've associated with us with Tuesdays. It's not every Tuesday, and I've gotten that from a lot of you. We are not anywhere tonight. Next Tuesday, we're back. Next Tuesday night, we will be at the Bowman on Harford Road in Parkville for the next Tyus Bowser Show, as we'll be joined by Tyus and a special guest. Um, we are asking you the the Great Eights Memorabilia has done an unbelievable job they did an incredible job raising food and now they're trying to do something similar with toys so Great Eights is asking you to bring out a new unwrapped toy in order to meet Tyus and a special guest next Tuesday at the Bowman on Hartford Road so please do that to support them as they're taking care of the community I I love our partnership with Great Eights and if you go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com right now you're going to find info on A bunch of other meet and greets they're doing this month that are all free, with the except it's for a donation. You donate toys or gift cards, and you can meet Anthony Averett, and you can meet Nick Boyle, and you can meet Tyler Huntley, and you can meet uh, Fats Russell and Kudus Wahab from uh, Maryland. Uh, Maybe it's no sorry, it's Fats Russell and Eric Ayala. I think Kudus Wahab is going to be there too. Kudus Wahab, I don't know why I keep saying that. Kudus Wahab, but um, it's definitely Fats Russell and Eric Ayala. Go to great 8 with the number eight right now and get all the information on those events. But we know for sure, Tyus Bowser, next Tuesday, December 7th, brought to you by PressBox, Great 8's Memorabilia, MyBookie, Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, as well as Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com. Come back in. We're going to talk a little bit more about the goings-on in baseball in the last few days. Then we're going to chat with Mike Tarico. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. <laughs> Hey, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. Cold weather has arrived, and that means one thing: higher energy bills. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help. For a limited time, get a house of windows for only $99 a month. Rising natural gas prices are affecting everyone, but new Window Nation windows can help. Get a house of windows for only $99 a month. That's basically a cup of coffee per day. Call Window today at 866-90-NATION or go online at windownation.com nation.com This incredible deal is only good through the end of December. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland, an authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa ProCare Center with ASE-certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. DuffysGarageMD.com That first sip... (sighs)
2: I love driving my tractor trailer and just like you I just want to make it to my destination safely. If you drive too closely to my truck I can't see you and you can't see what's in front of me. If I have to brake suddenly our lives can be changed forever. If a truck stops quickly can you? Don't tailgate trucks.
6: Brought to you by the
2: Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration.
1: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area and the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You've got questions. They've got answers. Sure, I mean, we'll go with that.
4: It's Glenn and Paul on Glenn Clark Radio.
1: All right back in here on GCR into hour number two of the program. it's also brought to you by Glory Days Grill Thursday nights every Thursday 599 chili nachos at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill every Monday 699 burgers at Glory Days Grill glorydaysgrill.com is the website get your orders in. Bill Stecka has just stopped by the uh, studio here at pressbox Of course you know Bill from years with the Orioles T- what is your actual title today? Bill, I genuinely don't know the answer to this question. I also don't know if your mic's on or not. We gotta, we gotta uh, throw that on real quick. Uh, Bill, what is your actual title now with the Baltimore uh, Orioles? Uh,
7: the title is actually director of Orioles alumni.
1: That director of Orioles alumni, right. and and I think we've also, uh, I think when like when Stan has you on, he also just gives you the title of historian. Is the yeah, way that it goes. Well, I think I'm that sort
7: that of the de facto historian. The de facto so. historian. I don't have it as a title, but. Everybody comes to me with questions about the history
1: of the Orioles. You don't know this. I've never told you this, Bill Stecker. But you are part of the reason why I have stuck in this business for a very long time. Can I tell You're, you this story today? I've never told you this story before. So when I started, this is a I've to- talked a long time ago about how I got into radio. I was working at Maryland as a within the media relations department as a right. literally like a guy working game days, pulling notes, doing all the stuff that. Anybody who's ever you know, worked in PR knows oh, all absolutely. about this. There's I, some, started,
7: I started doing that at Towson. A hundred percent,
1: right? So as game, basketball games are going on, I'm supposed to watch to see if there's anything interesting happening. Oh, boy, they just went on a 14-0 run. When's the last time they went on a 14-0 run? i got to find that out, right? So it's 2005 when I'm doing this. And uh, CBS Radio, the, the, the 105.7 and 1300, had just gotten the rights to air Maryland games. And one day after a game, everybody's sitting around like, did they ever talk about Maryland on 105.7 in Baltimore? This is before it was a sports sure. station. This was a, it was a hybrid talk and music station at the time. There's somebody was like, "Well, you live in Baltimore. Do you ever do you ever hear them talking about Maryland on the station?" I'm like, "No," but like at the time, I think they were running Don and Mike in the afternoons. Like there wasn't a lot of local talk. They said, "Well, we got to do something about that. We got to get them to talk about us because like they're airing the games." And I said. Well, what do I do about that? I'm just some lowly flack here. They said, well, reach out to him. I said, like, on behalf of the school? Like, am I a a spokesperson now from Maryland? (laughs) I'm just a kid, man. I'm like 22 years old. What the hell? They said, well, reach out to him. So I send a message to to Maynard, who was the producer of the the Ed Norris show. And Maynard says, yeah, you're right. We should talk more about Maryland. You're coming on tomorrow to talk about um, I said, okay, and so that led to me being there, and they, they say, do you want to come on every day and be our sports guy? And I'm like, I'm 22 years old, hell yeah, I want to do that, sure. right? Sure, They started to get the sense that maybe putting a 22-year-old on here every day wasn't great. So they started to be like, hey, you need to make some relationships, and you need to like, prove that you can do this. Kirby Puckett passed away. And I was working, I was still legitimately, I was going in doing middays after working a morning shift at Best Buy every day in Bel Air. I, the morning that Kirby Puckett passed away, I called you and I said, is there anybody within the Orioles that could talk about Kirby Puckett? (laughs) I need to like prove that I can get guests on the show. I need to prove that like I can do something. I didn't tell you any of that. I just asked, is there anybody that can get Kirby Puckett? And you said back, well, yeah, LaTroy Hawkins played with Kirby in Minnesota. I could See if Cur- LaTroy La- La- yeah. Hawkins would call in. And, and it was, you know, you just doing your job. Like, you didn't think about any of these things like that. And so LaTroy Hawkins comes on. As you know, LaTroy Hawkins, one of the great talkers. Absolutely. A, tre- a tremendous, and so Ed and, and Mannard and I have this, like, we talk about Kirby Puckett, but we're also just talking about life. And we have this just incredible conversation with LaTroy Hawkins. And I get off the phone. I walk into the program director's office, and he's like, I was wrong about you. Like, you can do this. You really, (laughs) you have the ability. You have the, and I swear it was the day that you would have LaTroy Hawkins (laughs) call in to talk about Kirby Puck, and I've never told you that story over the years. I'm not saying you're solely responsible for the fact that here I am all these years later. LaTroy is more responsible. 100% LaTroy quite responsible, because he was a tremendous guest, and has always been a tremendous guest, and a guy that I've enjoyed conversations with over the years. So I owe, like, a small thank you in there somewhere for the fact that, that you made me look better. For my bosses at a time where they probably shouldn't have put a 22-year-old kid on the air every well, day.
7: You've, you've, you've worked your way up and done a great job.
1: Well, I, I, I've always appreciated. Of course, yeah. you all, all of you know uh, not only you know, Bill Stecca, but Andrew's been a part of our show uh, for a long time. Andrew is his son. And ironically, Andrew and I got much closer after he left. <laughs> like, we were friendly when yeah. he was here. We'd become very close since he abandoned and yeah. went That's out to that Arizona. Arizona connection. Yes. Now. We, I lived in Arizona. He moved yeah. out to Arizona. Yeah. And so he'd reached out to me like, Hey man, I'm, I'm going to a place where you were from. And we ended up being very close yeah. from there. Uh, how's life? How's everything going?
7: Going well, going well, just, uh, came from a, my, my, annual physical and everything seems good i'd like to hear that right um, and i I had some coats to drop off for you this is
1: i i cannot um, thank you enough for that giving
7: tuesday i'll have some more next week
1: i love that it is we are uh, we are uh, putting some more i'm going to have boxes around town for you guys i'm picking up the boxes today so i'll be taking them to places and i'll be posting pictures on social media of where you'll be able to donate your coats where you can drop them off in the next couple of weeks as we get them to Helping Up Mission, it means the world to me. I hope you know that yeah. it means the world to me. Uh, everybody making their donations for Helping Up yeah, Mission.
7: Just, just very happy to, that we can contribute and uh, hope to do more.
1: I I mean I I I really cannot. I cannot put into words what that means to me. And um, and everything's right in the world of the Orioles alumni. Everything. Yeah, is...
7: everything's good. You know, um, we're we're starting to get some some uh, companies and and and. Uh, you know, community groups calling for, you know, to, to have players come out. Um, you know, we haven't done a whole lot the last two years, obviously, because of COVID. So It's the
1: reality. Uh, yep. Uh,
7: but it's it's actually it's been picking up a little bit this fall. And uh, hopefully by the spring, knock on wood, we'll be we'll be back to normal with uh, <laughs> all of our uh, efforts at the ballpark.
1: And, and hopefully there community. will be baseball. Yes, hopefully that hope will so. be the let's case. So. Yeah, it's starting to get a little that's tomorrow starting to get a little nervous about the old date that's looming on the calendar at that point hopefully hopefully things get taken care of before then hopefully that's the case i'm sure i know that's not your area that no, I, like no, i understand believing they're not sending bill out to the front line no, of negotiations I'm, on the new CP. far away
7: from that i i know what i read in the papers. correct like the rest of
1: you correct no. i completely understand that bill steca thank you so much I, it really means the world to me thank you no, for stopping th- by thanks for having me glenn
7: and uh Good luck, and uh, hopefully uh, others will contribute as well.
1: You know, I'm going to be in touch with you too. I'm still trying to put together like an event to get people to come out and donate coats, so maybe we could uh, find a former player that might be able to come out. We'll talk about that in just. I tell you what. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk to Mike Tarico, and it's going to buy me a second to chat with Bill before he's (laughs) got to depart. That's the way that's going to go today. Um, Today's show is also brought to you by Project Game Day, which returns this Sunday. For the big Baltimore-Pittsburgh showdown, myself and the NFL chicks, Sarita Hubbard will be with you postgame, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, pressboxonline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, and Underdog Fantasy Football. We'll see you for Project Game Day this Sunday. Mike Tarico joins us next. He was just on the call for the Ravens game on Sunday night. We'll chat with him. It's Glenn Clark Radio.
6: What's up, everybody? This is Ty's Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Ty's Bowser show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on a roll all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on PressBox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show.
1: The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, December 7th at the Bowman on Hartford Road in Parkville. It's brought to you by PressBox, Grade 8's memorabilia, as well as Window Depot Baltimore, baltimore.com Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com, and the NFL chick Serena Hubbard joins us courtesy of my bookie.
0: Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. That
2: first sip. That first bite. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms.
0: Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality pro-via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com.
4: Every Thursday, 11:30 a.m. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon on, Podcast. B- it's Glenn Clark Radio.
1: Back back in here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, Bill Steck is trying to walk away, and I'm, I'm. I love him. I thank you, Bill. I appreciate you. It means the world to me. I seriously, all of you guys donating coats and clothes. I am. I will have. I promise. I will have boxes out today. I am picking them up this afternoon and I'm going to immediately start taking them around town in order for there to be boxes for you to get your donations in. On top of that, I am. We will have an event. I want you to bring them out next Tuesday. I just talked about the Tyus Bowser show a second ago. I want you to bring them out with you to the Bowman. Do that, please. But I'm also going to work on a specific event before December 20th because that's when we're taking them to a Helping Up Mission for you to bring them out. But if you are available, much like Bill Stecker Bill just messaged me like, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to be in Towson in the morning. Could I stop by afterwards with some coats? I'm like, course. are you kidding me? i come meet you. If you have the ability to come down by Hamden, I promise you, I got uh, Glory Day's gift card for you if you make the trip down here with your coats. We're in Hamden, 3600 Clipper Mill Road. You just gotta give me a heads up because there's like a chance, like today I'm running out to get those boxes. So if you come by today at three o'clock, it's, it's gonna be a problem because I'm gonna be out collecting boxes and taking them around town. But outside of that, if you got coats, you got clothes, and the answer is always yes. Whatever it is, you say. Well, do you need stuff for women? Yes. Do you need stuff for kids? Yes. Do you need stuff for going back to work? Yes. Do you need I need all of it? Athletic, all of it. As long as it should be donated, I'm going to make this very clear. If you got stuff that's ratty and ripped and torn and has skid marks on it, do not donate that. That is not for donation. That is for the trash can. How to do that? I got I got a uh, like one of those. Uh, like it's a cotton Under Armour shirt. It's not like a performance material thing, mm. but it's just—it's just, it's just always—I don't know. It, I love it. I just truly love the shirt, and I just realized at this point, it's over. Like it's over, and it's a very sad moment for me because I don't want to do it. I've had this shirt. Like it stayed with me through losing weight. I think twice in my life. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't want to get rid of it. I think it's a shirt I've had for like 15 years at this point. It might have been with me in Arizona. Like it's it's that old, and I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it, and it's it's very it's very hurtful for me because it's not. I cannot donate it. It's that this is trash.
0: Uh, I I have a black, uh, Express men's sweater, thermalish type shirt okay. that that I love. That I wear I wear with these khaki pants. It looks really good, and I'm bigger now. Than I was when I bought it. And by that, he means
1: he's put on some muscle because he's not, it's not fat.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, it's very tight on me now. And I think I'm at the point where. Well, I don't know. That might
1: be. uh, Maybe, maybe you you need to wear it more now.
0: no, it's, it's uncomfortably tight. It's, Uh, it's, it's not flattering. (laughs) And it's one of those. uh, Now, how how does the wife feel about it? Uh, I. She She likes it when I wear it. That's what I'm saying, right? Like
1: you might need to be willing to make that sacrifice. I think it shows
0: off too much of the belly. So I'm, I'm at the point where I gotta stop it with that. Where I gotta get rid of it myself.
1: Stop it with that nonsense. This shirt at this point, if you guys are watching uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm this season, it looks like Josh Gad's underpants. And (laughs) so, if you're watching, you know, right? Like if you're watching, you know, that's what the shirt looks like for me. That's trash. And if your shirt looks like that, throw it away. Do not donate it. Yes, these are people that need things but you know when something, you know what the difference is between donation and trash. You know that. I, I, we, are, we are all capable of understanding the difference between those, those scenarios. So please let me know, and if you can get down here to Hamden, um, bring your coats, bring your jackets. Thank you to Bill Stecker for stopping by, who says he's even got more, which is amazing. All right, um, shows. We're talking about the Tyus Bowser show. Let's talk about the Stan the Fan show, huh? Stand the Fan. We are just talking about Orioles alumni. Stand the Fan and Ross Grimsley. Caught up with the great Boog Powell last night, and you can find that right now by going to facebook.com/slash/pressboxsports and clicking on the videos tab, or by going to pressboxonline.com/slash/video. It is available there. Stand the fan, Ross Grimsley and Boog Powell talking baseball, and you know that's a good time whenever those gentlemen hang out and talk some baseball. So make sure you check it out. What's uh I, I, so? Is the bias thing done? He's the. Is he? Javi, Javi Baez, is he on the— de-
0: Oh, they said that it's going to be a six- or a seven-year deal. It's not fully done yet. They haven't but, announced the parameters of it yet. But, but he's but
1: going to Detroit.
0: He's going to Detroit.
1: That that part we know. Yeah. He's going to be a Tiger. What else has happened? Obviously, the Schurzer thing from yesterday is done with the Mets. Corey Seager and Simeon to, right, the, to, to the Rangers. To the Rangers, yeah. Uh, Robbie, what was the number on Corey Seager? It was— uh, 10
0: years, Three hundred twenty five. Um, Robbie Ray, the reigning right. Cy Young winner, he signed with the Mariners. right. Um, John Gray signed with the Rangers, all these teams that the, the Tigers and not the Tigers, I'm sorry, but the Rangers had the second worst record in in the American League last year, just beyond the Orioles. And they're going out spending a ton of money They spent five hundred and sixty one million dollars yesterday. So that I get the sense that has something to do with opening the ballpark. Yeah. like that. They they can't open a
1: ballpark. And then have it just sitting there with nobody going. Right. Like you you got it. You open a baseball stadium and spend a boatload of money to open a baseball stadium. You need people to purchase tickets. Well, and that's to, what they
0: said they were what they said they were gonna do. They said that they were gonna uh, really go all out for this for this roster when they opened it in twenty twenty. And then, then there was, there was a the, pandemic. A pandemic. Right. So then last year they kinda went with what they had and now they're making the move. Correct. But they, they need pitching. They need more pitching. Otherwise this this is just like the early two thousands Texas Rangers that Bought every slugger in baseball and still lost more than they won because they had no pitching.
1: Well, they got John Gray, so that solves the problem, <laughs> doesn't it? Uh, uh, sure, John, sure, John Gray's there now. John,
0: John Gray, that, that oh. solves all, all who's, problems. Who's definitely a guy
1: that uh, – anyway, look, man, I, I, I know there's probably an Orioles fan sitting there saying, I would love if the Orioles would spend money on John Gray. I specifically would not, and we talked about this with Jeremy yesterday. I'm not sure from a baseball standpoint – that this makes sense. I don't know that the Rangers have suddenly made themselves a contender by spending a boatload of money. Mm-hmm. They're certainly interesting. You're more compelled to watch them play because they've got Seager and they've got Simeon and like that. they're a more compelling watch. You're more compelled to purchase a ticket to a game if they end up playing baseball next year. I, I guess we are to assume that come tomorrow... I. It's a, It's a very weird bit that we're doing, right? Because you don't hear a lot of contentious things being said typically when you're leading up to the date at which... A work stoppage is going to occur. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of nasty things being said by either side. You're not getting that right now, and you're more getting like leaks about. Hey, here's what the CBA is going to look like. There was a lengthy thing at um, ESPN.com this week about the playoff structure and that they are going to implement the bit where the division winners will get to pick which wild card teams. I hate it. I, I hate. That. I don't. I, I don't think it benefits anyone other than. It seems like baseball doesn't like the fact that on that last Sunday night of the regular season, there's not they've, they don't, they've got nothing going on mm-hmm. because they did the bit where they moved all the games at 3 o'clock. And, and I get that. They don't want anybody's – it's the same thing the NFL's tried to do. They don't want other results to dictate what teams do. They want every game to matter the exact same way on the final day of the season. So baseball a few years ago decided to play all the games at 3 o'clock on the final Sunday of the regular season. Right. So it seems like what their problem is is throughout the year they want you to be in 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 tune with baseball on Sunday nights because Sunday night traditionally is one of the better TV viewing nights of the week,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then they get to that final Sunday night of the season and there's no baseball. Right. Well, they don't want to put a game there because again, it's very unlike the NFL. It's more difficult to find a one-game scenario where this game matters. But nothing else that happens during the course of the day will impact this game mattering, right? Like right. it's it's more difficult to do that from a baseball standpoint. So how do we make up for that? Well, let's create this TV show. Let's create this manufactured. We'll do it at 730 right before the Sunday Night Football game kicks off. So people will come and watch this. And let's manufacture a television show so that there's something baseball-wise that we can air on the final night of the regular season. That's, that's, it entirely comes off as that to me because there's, there's nothing about it that's beneficial. As has been pointed out by everyone, you're, you're asking, you're asking for it to be a bulletin board thing. You're asking for it to piss off the team that you're about to play and now have them have some sort of extra edge going into that series. There is no real correct answer. But like the likelihood of these teams being so drastically different, like you might look up at them and, and say, well, uniquely, they'd probably start two left-handers, and so we don't want to face them because we don't, you know, we don't we don't hit as well against left-handers as we do against. There, there might be something that's there about the matchup, but the idea that it's so uniquely different. Can we do the math on the, who these teams would have been this season? Uh, so we're talking about this past year. So it'd be seven playoff teams now, based on this concept. Well, we'll get,
0: the Blue Jays would have been in.
1: The Blue Jays would have been in. They would have, yes, they would have gotten the playoff and spot.
0: I, and the Mariners would have been in, I'm pretty sure, in the American League. Because they came down They, they came down to the last day, I think the last day of the season, the Mariners yes, and the Blue those Jays two teams,
1: those two teams would have been in. So in this scenario, the number one seed would still have been the Rays, and they would have gotten a bye through the wild card round. So mm-hmm. they would be on to the division round. So then there would be three wild card series between the other six teams that make the playoffs. Right. So the top two seeds, which this year would have been the Astros and the White Sox, or the two and the three seed, mm-hmm. they would get their choice from among the wild card teams of who they wanted to face in the first round. So the White Sox, the Astros would have had the first pick of the Yankees, Red Sox, Mariners, and... The Blue Jays. The Blue Jays. Correct. They would have gotten the pick. Which one of those teams do you want to face? If I'm the Astros... I mean you're certainly familiar with the the Mariners, right? Like the Mariners seem like the the least offensive threat of right. all of those teams. Well, that's the team with the worst record of the group. That's the
0: team you would have been facing anyway. Right. So what's the scenario where you're picking someone else? What I would rather see and I don't know how they would do this uh, because they they they, fig- they use ballpark factor and this that, and the other when they when they establish war for a player. I'd rather see them, if they're going to do a show and they're going to put something new for these seven playoff teams into the CBA, reseeding, and you reseed, ba- you re-seed these teams based on their division, who they played, the, l- the combined records of teams they, right. put, they played, com- Compared to the other ones, so you're not necessarily reseeding, Well, this team won 97 games and was a wild card because this team won 101 and won the. Yeah, division. I mean,
1: I to, I to, this is the the Dodgers Giants thing that we talked about at right. nauseum. Like th- that can't happen. You right. cannot have that happen. It's it's wholly unacceptable that you would have the team with the second best record in the league facing the team with the best record in the league in the first round of the playoffs. That's right. bat ass nuts. So. Would this conceivably avoid that, right? Like, because simply put, the Giants wouldn't have selected the Dodgers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's an unnecessary way of going about avoiding it in order to manufacture a TV show. And frankly, I just don't know who's watching. Mm -hmm. Like, are you really that inclined to watch a TV show?
0: No, not when you get the update on your phone.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, I just, and maybe this is part of the problem. I don't watch the MVP announcement. I don't watch the the Cy Young announcement. I don't watch the Rookie of the Year announcement. Even if even in the years the Orioles were good and there was a chance that you know like Buck Showalter was going to win manager of the year, I was not watching those TV shows. Those TV shows are not for me. Maybe there are more people watching those TV shows than I realize there are. And so, yes, there there will be a huge crowd for the or a huge audience for this. I don't know. I don't I don't know. But it definitely comes off as manufactured. The other thing that was leaked in this ESPN story about what the CBA will look like was that they would implement a draft lottery moving forward Mm
3: -hmm.
1: for the first three picks. And then after the first three picks, it would fall in line based on record. So if you finish with the worst record, you'd be guaranteed no worse than the fourth pick in the draft. And you would still it'd be like the NBA. You would get the most ping pong balls or whatever it is they do. You would have the highest percentage chance, if you have the worst record, of getting the first overall pick, but you would no longer be guaranteed the first pick in an attempt to de de-centivize, decentivize tanking. Mm-hmm. That it's not as simple as, you're the worst team, you get the first pick, right? Right. Um, I, 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 I do think... The, problem with, the only problem with that is I think it should be grandfathered in, right? Like I think that teams that have looked at what everybody else has done and said this is the best way of doing business, and yes, it's a little bit more personal in Baltimore, but it's not just Baltimore. I think there should be a five-year grace period for this where you say, look, you guys are trying to replicate what other teams did successfully. We're not going to change the rules on you after you had started playing the game. Yeah. In five years, this is what's coming. In five years, get it, get it out of your system. In five years... We're gonna do it this way. Now, I don't even think court. it should
0: be five years. I think you, you could do it in two to three years because now, and that's also if you have to make a team have a if you have to have a salary floor if mm-hmm. the, if they start. I did a,
1: not see that in this. Now it, it might just be that that wasn't something that that leaked. I was right. reading over this, all of the stuff that was leaked about the new CBA. To, now uh, it
0: was proposed by it was proposed, and I think that they shot down the proposal, but people seem to really like it you know what i mean the so, salary floor yeah wasn't wasn't that proposal no. that because it, it was offered back in like august and i think they shot down that proposal um i mean
1: i i'm all in favor of the salary floor but yeah. there're just always going to be teams that say we're not unlike in football where there is a guaranteed amount of money because of revenue sharing we don't get a guaranteed amount of money owning a major league baseball team mm-hmm. so if we don't get a guaranteed amount of money how could we how can we be expected to guarantee to spend a certain amount of money that we're not making.
0: Right. Yeah, no, it, 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 it makes sense. It, it, I when, the, when I first heard it, I said, there's no way that they're going to do this. But then everybody seemed to get on board with him. When you really think about it, it would make the game better. But like you said, if, if there's teams that are like, you're making a spam with something that we're not making, how can you really implement
1: that? I mean, it's the, that's the difficulty of this, mm-hmm. is that in the NFL, it's easy to have a salary floor because with the revenue sharing there is and the, the national TV deal everybody knows, I'm gonna be making this amount of money. Now, I might make more than that. A lot of franchises do. The Dallas Cowboys, for example, are quite valuable. There are a lot of franchises, big market franchises or just brand name franchises that make more money. But you know, even if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, there is a, you know you're in a terrible market and you have no brand value whatsoever. and you know you might not even be selling out all your games. You just know, there is a limit, like there is a certain amount of money that you are guaranteed to make because the NFL has a revenue sharing agreement for this national TV money and you're going to get your piece of that. And mm-hmm. so it's easier to set a salary floor because of it, right? Like we can set a salary floor because everyone is guaranteed to make this amount of money. It's a guarantee right. that you're going to make that.
0: Well, the revenue sharing is a big sticking point for the Players Association, isn't it? Aren't, aren't they in, saying- What do you mean?
1: In, in baseball? Yeah. Yeah like that they want it?
0: Yeah, they they want a bigger piece of the pie. Is well, it, it, but, but the
1: problem is it's not uniform. Mm-hmm. Like that it every team is different. They want a bigger piece of the total pie, mm-hmm. right? But it's not uniform from team to team. The Orioles aren't making the same amount as the Yankees are right. because they there's not a national TV. The, the national TV money that does come to MLB does get shared. That part mm-hmm. is shared. But we also know this is a 162 game season. The Orioles the, their bulk of their money comes from their local TV deal. Right. The local TV deal in New York is always going to be more lucrative than the True. local TV deal is going to be in Baltimore, even with, the, even with the Nationals, even with throwing in the part the Orioles get from D.C., mm-hmm. if they're going to keep getting that. We don't even know if that's going to be the case. And it's not just Baltimore. It's Detroit. It's Kansas City. It's all these places. It's always going to be more lucrative in New York for a local TV money then it's in L.A. and Chicago and those places than it will be in, in these other markets. So it's just not uniform in the same way. I, I, I don't know how you create that number for a salary floor based on not knowing what each team is making. Now, part of, the, part of that is these teams should have to open their books, right? Yeah. Like, I don't disagree with We should be able to know how much teams are making. But they're, they're just never going to go for that. That's the reality. But it, I guess we're all assuming that there is going to be a work stop. I mean, that's the reason why there's been such a flurry of activity. Yeah, like there's going to be a work stoppage tomorrow. The question becomes, does it linger? Right? Like, do they allow this thing to linger? Because if there's a work stoppage tomorrow and they get the whole thing solved by January first, nobody's going to care.
0: Right. And the holidays are usually a dead time in the sport. anyway. hundred
1: percent. Right. Yeah. Like it's it's a little bit wonky. There's no winter meetings this year, so it's almost like we've gotten this fake winter meetings that's happened
0: at the gen- at the general managers meeting
1: essentially yeah. right like and and now we've gotten this flurry of activity that reminds us of what it used to be like in major league baseball when there was a free agent frenzy in the first couple of weeks of the off season and and other there have been people that have argued like boy it, it's a shame we don't have a work stoppage threatened every year because we would get this type of of activity um as long as they get it squared away quickly it's not that big of a deal but there's always the danger of all right, it's not that big of a deal, and then they don't get it squared away. And then that lingers on and that becomes a, a serious problem moving forward. All right.
0: Let's um, yes. Before we move forward, I think I just saw something about the Ravens Packers game getting flexed.
1: Um okay. I will double check that. It might very well have gotten flexed. That is that would make a lot of sense. Hang on a second.
0: Ravens-Packers. Flex to 425 Eastern on Fox.
1: That does not surprise me. That's a uh, it's a it's a marquee game, clearly, and so I can understand why that would be one that they want to move into a more prime... Oh, I'm supposed to go see Shaky Graves that night. Damn. Nah, at least it's not a night game. I can still get over there probably around the same time. Technically,
0: I mean, not a night game, but it's basically a night game. The last three quarters will be played in the Well, party. no, but it, I, I
1: I can still, like... Shaky Graves was playing at Ramshead that night, mm-hmm. and so I could leave here if, like, let's just say the game ends at seven forty-five. Mm-hmm. Post game will probably end around 45 I could be at Ramshead by nine o'clock, and so he will probably have only been on for like thirty minutes. I'll still see a lot of the show at yeah. that point. If the game was an eight twenty-five kickoff, I would be missing it you altogether. Know, I,
0: I knew what you meant. Sometimes I just say stupid things. It's okay. It's okay.
1: <laughs> I understand that. So yeah, Packers Ravens now at four twenty-five on December nineteenth instead of being at uh, 1 o'clock, which is what it had been scheduled for. Um, That means the only game now... So the Browns game is still scheduled for 1 o'clock at the moment. And... Oh, the Bengals... I guess the Bengals game is also still scheduled for 1 o'clock at the moment. So... There are still two one o'clock games on the schedule.
0: Is the Ravens Steelers game the last game of the year? That's one o'clock, also, isn't it? That
1: it, oh, it is still scheduled for one. So yeah, that.
0: Well, I don't know if
1: that one will be moved because that's again that wonky thing where like it just depends on what the game. The games get moved depending on what mat, what outcome matters for something else mm-hmm. on that final day, and so they have to have the West Coast games. So for say for some reason the Ravens are competing with the Chargers for a wild card spot. I don't see how that's the case at this point, but let's just bear with me. Then they would want to make sure they have those games kicking off at the same time, in which case they have to move the game. But if the Ravens impacted, like if it's all in division, they should probably just keep all the games at one o'clock I'm assuming that means the Browns and Bengals are playing in week 18 as well. They would probably just keep both those games at 1 o'clock.
0: Well, my winter baseball league starts that day. at My game is at ah, 1 o'clock, so ah. I'm hoping for a flex.
1: I would uh, I would let them know that's a terrible time to start yeah. playing. Well, uh,
0: they I already said I'm not going to that game. Well, yeah, that's it, the I'm reality. Not, yeah. of it. I don't know why anybody. they am like, not going to play baseball. Our kickball, to, our
1: kickball league had to learn this thing. Is we're a Thursday night kickball league where mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, if the Ravens are playing, we don't play games that week because nobody is going to be here. Right. Like, the, 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 we were not going to be able to field teams during the course of that week. All right, we had to do this a little bit earlier on because of his schedule, but it's always a thrill to catch up with one of the great ones. He's Mike Tarico right here on GCR. Well, it was a pleasure to have our next guest on the call on Sunday Night Football as the Ravens beat the Browns, and it's an even bigger pleasure to chat with him now. He is, of course, the great Mike Tirico, who is, as we established a year ago, the voice of Wednesday afternoon football in this country. And he is back with us on GCR. Mike, it's so great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for it. Yeah,
8: nice to, uh, nice to have a Ravens game go off as planned yeah. on Sunday, <laughs> right? right? As uh, scheduled. <laughs>
1: that,
8: was, that was still one of the weirder ones of all time, but this worked out pretty well. It's yeah, we, with you.
1: we like the tradition of you calling a Ravens game around Thanksgiving. Yeah. We certainly <laughs> like it better when it actually happens, when it's supposed to happen, and with fans there. Um, weird game, obviously, Mike. Really weird game, and we've been kind of just struggling to, to dissect it because, it, you know, if you're the Ravens, how could you be anything other than happy? You're 8-3, and three, um it, everything that has gone on this season somehow you have managed to overcome all of it in all of these unbelievably different ways but yet here you're sitting at eight and three and, and and you're still sort of saying to yourself but but do we know how good we really are at this point yeah it's it's puzzling
8: right because there's so many different things with this team that have me fascinated uh let, let me let me start with Overall, this is the number one seed in the AFC. Right. Uh, This is a team that may be hosting every game until the Super Bowl. So there are so many good things. Yet, the team has been in so many big holes during the year, able to get out of them with the great comebacks that everybody has seen. That doesn't give you the confidence to say this team is going to dominate. So they're going to play close games. And what we've seen in these playoff games over the last few years Is that in these close playoff games, you know, it was enough against Tennessee on the road, barely, but it hasn't been enough. And can this team get to a level where they can play some dominating football and control some of these games? Like four interceptions in a game, you're not going to win in the playoffs. So that has to be concerning. Number of points scored. Let's see. I I, I didn't even think about this number. Uh, What are you, 42 points scored the last three games. That's not enough to win playoff games. So there are reasons for concern, but there's also reasons to believe that things can get better. So I, I'm having a tough time getting a great feel for where this team is right
1: now. I, I get accused sometimes of focusing too much on the negative, Mike. So let's let's start with the positives and then let's dive back into some of those negatives, yeah, right? Yeah. So the positives, as you point out, being eight and three, it, it is there, there was a point this season where I said, look, I, say whatever you want. This is a story about Lamar Jackson, right? Like, that, mm-hmm. all these other things. Lamar Jackson is the reason why the Ravens are here. Well, that clearly wasn't the case on Sunday. They had to overcome Lamar Jackson. And it's a reminder maybe of, you know, how how remarkable it is from top to bottom in this organization. And, and I'm hoping you can tell the story that everything they've been through – they keep figuring out ways to win football games. And and that is, I think, different than it would be in the overwhelming – I don't think that 29 – I don't know that four other teams in the NFL would be able from top to bottom to overcome all of the things the Baltimore Ravens have been through this year.
8: Yeah, I, I, I love this organization. Uh, I love the the steadfast, constant course that is set by – Starting with Steve Bisciotti, and then on through with Eric DeCosta, and obviously John Harbaugh is the big reason uh, that this team plays with that steely determination. I'll agree. You. Now I, I will balance it with this: I think a lot of teams in the NFL go through seasons like this. Okay. Uh, I, I know a lot's happened. Obviously, you know, you lose players on back-to-back plays uh, four days, three days before the opener uh, in in practice. That's uh, that, that's a, a gut punch. I, you know, I, I start looking around the league. I feel like more and more of the, that has become the story of these teams, this incredible adversity that they go through during the season Now the Ravens are doing it with a better record, but in Arizona, everything's built around Kyler Murray. They went three games without him. They still are the number one seed in the West and they've gone through a lot just in the last couple of years. So I don't think it's just the Ravens, but I do think they've done it for a long time and master in it. And I do think that they're, Culture and mentality are pervasive in the building. It's different from the New England culture and mentality. But New England's the same deal. You know, the, there's a steadfastness to what the Patriots do on a regular basis and an expectation when you walk in there, that's what we're going to be. So, yes, I, I'm not dis- dismissing that at all. But I do I do think it is probably on the high, high end of cultures set in the league. But I do think there are other teams that do this as well.
1: It, it feels like this is the you know obligatory place where I ask, do you think that all of this means that John Harbaugh should be the coach of the year in the NFL if this continues?
8: Uh, if we've got another month to go. Um, I would I would almost lean towards Bill Belichick right now, okay. to be really honest with you. Okay. Uh, it, that doesn't mean that Harbs wouldn't deserve just as much attention, uh, just as much interest level there, but if you ask me, and I, you know, I, I'm I'm usually very disciplined about not getting into these stupid conversations of who's the MVP
1: in I, October. I, I, mean, I know, I know, it's it, irrelevant. It's, it's utterly, that, they're, yeah, they're, they're, we're going to get to the end well, of the year, and they're going to, yeah, correct. Well, well
8: I, I would say when people start, and you know, I, I love the people I used to work with at ESPN, but on one of the shows in early October was, who's the MVP frontrunner right now? Like, <laughs> right, how could you say right, that? Because, October, yeah. One one of the one of the key things to being valuable is being available, right? right. So now that we're getting down here at the home stretch, you can start the legitimate conversation of that, the highs of the college football, all that, and John would certainly be on that list of four or five or six guys. And it's not necessarily who has the best record, but what have he done? And you know, to, John has as his quarterback a league MVP, and returned a defense that was very good. You know, with, new, with New England, they brought in a bunch of new faces and turned it over to a rookie quarterback. And if they sweep Buffalo and they go like 11 and six or 12 and five, that, that might be uh, kind of a reminder. And and, you know, John is like bill and Mike Tomlin guys who don't get the coach of the year recognition because they're so good every year. And sometimes it's like, uh, Michael Jordan, MVP, every day he played, Michael was the MVP and Shaq is about the same thing, right? But they didn't always get the award because people were like, hey, we need to reward the new guy. Uh, But John certainly is very much in the conversation given all the pieces that they had to reimagine
1: as the season went on. Uh, yes, we do our own version of a game ball segment on Monday. The way that everybody in the country does Mike and and, and ours we always think about the fact that we just leave Justin Tucker off our list because we just expect <laughs> it, right? Like we just expect that oh, it's a 52-yard kick Well, of course Justin Tucker is going to make it. That's what he does. He's Justin Tucker. It's not all that impressive and sometimes we have to remember, hey, it's not like that everywhere. Not everyone makes those kicks. He's uh, Mike t- everywhere. It's it's not like that anywhere.
8: Most anymore. places. Right. right. Everywhere. <laughs> right. And, I mean, and I don't right. mean I don't mean anywhere in the NFL in 2021. I mean anywhere ever in the NFL. I don't remember this long a stretch of a kicker who went out there and you had this much confidence. And because the offenses have not been as dynamic, his number of 50-yard field goal attempts, 40-yard field goal attempts, they're game changers. They, They really are. You don't have to be as aggressive late in the game if you need to get in field goal range. Because you don't need to get to the twenty-seven yard line and try a forty-five yard field goal. You can get to the forty and feel like you've put yourself in field goal range. He's he's ridiculously good at his job relative to everyone else in the league. And I you know, I said it on the air the other night, there are two kickers in the pure kickers yep. in the Hall of Fame and Jan Stenerud from the from the Chiefs and Morton Anderson more recently. Uh, we know that Lou Groza and George Blander were kickers, but they were also significant contributors in other positions. Uh, there's no doubt that Justin Tucker is a Hall of Famer. His decade of work, and you know that make percentage probably up to 90.8 or 90.9 in his career now, that the guy's a Hall of Famer, yeah. I and mean, it's just great to watch him still in his prime and still doing it as well as anybody in the league.
1: We're talking with the great Mike Tirico from NBC. By the way, James Lofton, who, of course, is a voter now on top of already being a Hall yeah. of Famer, said to me he thinks Justin Tucker should be a first-ballot Hall of Famer, which is just insane mm-hmm. to think of a kicker, yeah. any kicker, as being a first-ballot Hall of Famer. But uh, you're right, it's it's un- it's unreal.
8: He's right times two. He's right that it's insane, and he's right that he should be.
1: Right, right. exactly right. Um, so Mike, one more positive. Um, the, the defense. You bring up, you know, the struggles of the offense and we're going to get there, but the defense and the way they've played the last few weeks and I get it. We're not talking about the Chiefs and we're not talking about some of the best offenses in football. But the way that Patrick Queen has turned things around in season from us literally being, you know, two months removed from him not even being on the field for 50% of the snaps and our buddy Tyus Bowser who we do a show with and you know, Marlon Humphrey are Is the defense starting to come to a place where they might be able to help carry this team a little bit more and might be so good that it can make up for some of their offensive struggles?
8: Well, there was an interesting article written in The Athletic. Uh, I guess it was Friday, maybe Saturday of of this past week. I'm sorry I don't have the right date. Or or the writer, too, because I love to give credit to the, the writers. It was a real good perspective on where the Ravens need to to a rebuild here to continue their success. And it's on the defensive side because you're getting older, you know, on that defensive front and all of that stuff. And, you know, you've invested draft picks in Hollywood Brown, in Rashad Bateman, you're trying to, you've got a star in Lamar and then you are trying to surround him with talent. So you, you need to do some investment there. And all of that makes, makes a lot of sense, but the defense is going to need some attention here. Now, having said that, there are some players there who are young players, and, and you just threw a couple of them out there. And uh, I will add um, Adafe Owe. Yes, uh,
1: no question. Boy, yep.
8: you know, maybe maybe if you played every night on Sunday night, he'd be a <laughs> right. first-bound Hall of <laughs> Famer too, right. right? But, boy, he's coming, and he is coming. And these are the things you talk about when you find out, how does culture get passed down? Justin Houston's been around the league for a while, right? Justin's there. He's able to take Adafi under his wing, teach him pass rush moves on the side at the, com- at the complex in August and September and October after practice. Uh, the, the veteran intelligence and experience of Calais Campbell that he can share with Adafi, this is going to give this player the opportunity to be one of those terrific Raven pieces for a long time to come if he continues to play well and stay healthy. And those are the kind of things you'd love to see. That's how uh, things get passed down from generation to generation. Now, the one thing they have not had has been those great shutdown corners because of injury. And uh, Jimmy Smith has been injured a lot. He's getting older. Marlon Humphrey did a great job. Uh, you know, you notice in the first half of that Browns game, they went after Marlon Humphrey, or they threw the ball to the side Marlon Humphrey on, right. not necessarily targeting him. Second half, I think I said Humphrey's name once. Because right. Cleveland – was that was one of those going half. go, okay, we're done throwing at forty-four. Yep, it ain't gonna work, right? Uh, so, like you said, Bowser, Humphrey, the way Patrick Queen played, the safeties that have been drafted and start to develop. They're they're starting with some young pieces there. They're gonna need to do the front a little bit, but all of a sudden you turn around and you ask out loud, well, why doesn't Wink get more opportunities in the head coaching interview cycle, or his name get mentioned more often because? This is now four years in a row that he has really put a good defense out, and this is not the same talent on that defense, but he is getting the job done. Uh, it, it was really impressive for me to study and then see the Ravens play as well as they are on the defensive side of the ball.
1: I should have jumped in the story you referenced in The Athletic from our friend Jeff Zriebeck, who, uh, who's covered yeah. the Ravens for a long time. Yep. and it, yeah, It's yep. a very, very thoughtful sort of detail of where they are defensively. Um, Mike, on, on the negative side, um, I'll start. The play with Lamar Jackson has been, you know, frankly poor in back-to-back games. Now, Lamar is so good that when he has a, a poor performance, you know, it, it stands out to us because that doesn't happen very often. He's really, really quite good. It, it, do you, do you worry at all that this might be what's coming from how much they're asking of Lamar Jackson because they're getting so little production from their running backs? and. Yeah. I guess that, that balloons into, is this is it sustainable for a team? I've I've gone back and looked over it. There aren't Super Bowl champions that have gotten this little. There's some that have gotten no. minimal production, like the Patriots one year. Jonas Gray was their lead back, and the Chiefs a couple years ago. But it, is it sustainable to win a Super Bowl, asking your quarterback to do so much, getting this little production from your running back?
8: I, I think you hit on the main concern there, and I think you know, candidly Ravens fan should be concerned because uh, – there is a physical toll to it. Now, like if you're grading Lamar Jackson as a passer, he was bad, right? You can't throw four picks. Uh, you know, most, it wasn't like one of those nights where balls were uh, – I'm, I'm thinking of the uh, Chargers game against Denver on Sunday. Justin Herbert threw a ball in the flat to Austin Eckler that was kind of an arrow route, uh, a wide departure arrow route that if Eckler catches, he's going to gain 30 yards. Right. And Eckler started to run before he caught the ball and it ended up being Patrick Sertan taking it back for a pick six and game over. Like, not all interceptions are built alike. Thus, all interceptions must not be looked at or graded alike. Lamar threw some bad balls the other night, Mm -hmm. and that is troubling to me. Now, when you balance that, unlike assessing the quarterback play of a Matthew Stafford, let's say, Lamar's runs won the game for the Ravens. When they needed a big run, he came up with it. And the threat of his running helped sustain that. So, so there's, a, there, there's a lot of things built into this that need to be taken in totality when assessing Lamar Jackson. Having said all of that, what I love about the kid is when he was speaking with Catherine Tappen in the postgame interview, he was miserable. He was so unhappy that he was so bad in that game and made those mistakes. I love that about him. Uh, there's an accountability and a likability uh, within the team and externally because of that approach. And I think a lot of us appreciate seeing that. Having said all that, if, there, if this is going to be a team that wins a championship, he's got to play better. Yeah, he He's got to play better than he has in the last uh, two full games. Now, one was Miami did things that hadn't been done. Chicago was ready to do some of those. Cleveland did very little of that because that's not what Cleveland does. The Pittsburgh's going to try it. Because that, that that's that's the neighborhood that they shop and live in. So, how will he handle that kind of pressure? There are good enough receivers on this team, and a really 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 good tight end that somebody else should be having a better season. Out of out of Hollywood and Bateman, one of those guys should be having and Sammy Watkins' presence. One of those guys should be having more of an impact. I think what this team really could use. Is a terrific slot receiver. Think of Cole Beasley, right?
7: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
8: I, I think having a great slot receiver when you need, when you have somebody spying the quarterback, if you can jump into you know uh, three wides at times and spread the field that way, and I think there are more running lanes to Lamar. Now, that's not the way this team is built for the moment, but I think as you go forward, I'd love to see what uh, one back, one tight end, and three receivers would look like. Against defenses trying to defend Lamar Jackson, I, I just that's a place where personnel-wise, I'd love to see this team shopping in the off season.
1: Let me ask you before I let you go, and I, I really appreciate the time, Mike Tarico. Uh, I brought the same thing up with with Dan Hicks when he was in town doing golf. I'm going to give you the same question. Um, did Did you know that Michael Phelps could be this good as a broadcaster? <laughs> did Did you have any idea? And And it's not just you know like him obviously doing the swimming stuff, but. Yeah. Man, him sitting down and talking about mental health with you was, I mean, like, it's it still, I just got goosebumps thinking about it. It was one of the more powerful things that I've seen all year. Did, did you know that he could be this good in his role as a broadcaster?
8: No. Uh, I, I knew Michael, I, I've known Michael for a bit through some, being at some common events and some common friends that we have, and I've spent time with him. So I knew he'd be uh, good on TV in terms of what what he would say. But you can never tell somebody's going to be great, right? And I think just with all that has gone on with Michael in his life, he's gotten to the point where he's willing to uh, be vulnerable and be honest because he's done that with himself, and he's willing to share his struggle to empower other people. What, what you don't always know is how much of the greatness of an athlete is their physical, how much of the greatness is their mental And what I've found over time with guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Tiger Woods and LeBron James is that these are the greatest physically at their sport, but they're also in the top 1% mentally. And when you get guys like that who have the ability to verbalize that, that's when you get that magic on TV. And Michael talking about swimming was ridiculous. I was privileged to the off-air stuff as we're watching a race, and Michael's like, "Guy in lane five, his hips are way too high. He's gonna die. Wow. He, he's gonna fade here. He's gonna fade here to last 150 meters." And if he said something like that once, he said it 30 times watching races during uh, the Tokyo Games, and he was right every single time. He he understands the technical of the sport at a level that I didn't even know existed. And he's able to verbalize it and see it quickly, so you understand that not just his freakish wingspan and body type and training regiment, but also his knowledge of the physicality of the sport is why he was so great. And uh, I'm glad people got to see that, but and hear that. But most importantly. I'm glad they got to hear the mental health stuff because oh. I think all of us it's... were uh, were awakened by what he was able to share with us. Absolutely
1: massive, Mike Tarico. What's what's ne- I know obviously Beijing's right around the corner. What's what's next? I mean, what else is on the docket for you before then?
8: <laughs> yeah, we we got a full. Uh, nice to have the college football season behind us for for us with Notre Dame. We had a, a great season. Yep. Uh, yeah, we it's uh, football night in America every Sunday. I've got I think a couple of more NFL games in the booth here as we go through December. And uh, then a wild card playoff game. And uh, then we get ready to go to the Olympics. And then, of course, we have the Super Bowl at NBC. So uh, it'll be a very busy stretch through March and you know, through the end of end of February. I think February 22nd is the date of uh, the date of the, uh, <laughs> the finish line that I, I kind of set out there. When we were starting on the uh, Summer Olympics and the Triple Crown chase last May, I kind of looked up and said, "Wow, yeah, we have a, we have a run. I've you know, had a run of the horse racing's Triple Crown, uh, all the NFL stuff that we've done, the Summer Olympic Games, uh, major championship golf, and obviously everything I mentioned. Notre Dame, of course, and the Winter Olympics and the Super Bowl, all on a stretch from uh, May 1st till February 7th or February 22nd, rather." Uh, it's it's been the most uh, exciting, busy, high-profile stretch of my career, and uh, we've got about three months left in it, so I'm excited about that. Well,
1: we've enjoyed seeing so much of you in our homes, and we certainly enjoyed seeing you on Sunday night. Mike Tarico. really appreciate taking the time for us this morning. Thanks so much for doing this, and, and if we don't talk to you before, then have a really wonderful holiday, all right?
8: Thank you. You as well. Appreciate the time and uh hopefully we'll be in Baltimore for a playoff game here in January. That'd be pretty
1: good. That would be good. Mike Tarico joining us here on G C R. Window Nation is offering you as the weather gets colder. Oh man, it is miserable outside right now. They're gonna be higher energy bills. It's just the reality of the circumstances. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help for December only. Get a house of Windows for only $99 a month. That's basically a cup of coffee per day. Call Window Nation today, 866 90 Nation, or windownation.com. A couple things really quickly. One, I'm sure some one of you is saying to yourself, why wouldn't you have asked Mike Tirico about Brian Kelly in Notre Dame? You dummy. He's the voice of Notre Dame football on NBC. And it's a fair question. And it requires me to inform you that. We recorded the interview at 2.15 yesterday. And at 2.15 yesterday, there was no thought that Brian Kelly was leaving Notre Dame. Right? Like, So I just, I'm just i just being as honest with you as I possibly can. Um, we normally don't have to give you all the details. We can sometimes just say, hey, we recorded it earlier. And we can just sort of leave that generic. And that's what I like to do. I just realized that if you listen to that entire thing, you're probably a bit confused. That's a pretty significant news story for the guy that calls the Notre Dame games to be on doing a radio show and not talk about. Now, sometimes... When these thi- these things have come up, uh, we had an interview with Kurt Warner one day uh, before the season, and he was like literally talking about how good the Ravens are and how how much he thinks Gus Edwards will be fine as a lead back, and he's not worried about them losing J.K. Dobbins. Like the entire interview is about that, and then Gus Edwards gets hurt that afternoon, and I'm like, what what do we do with this interview? We just recorded this interview with Kurt Warner. And I chopped it up as much as I could, and we aired as much it as we possibly could, and that's all I can do. I can only be honest with you. We recorded the interview at 2.15 yesterday with the idea being we are just talking about the Ravens because he had done the Ravens game. And we care about the Ravens around here, so I was still happy to air Mike Tirico talking about the Ravens. But the reality is, I'm sure some of you are sitting there saying to yourselves, huh, seems like a missed opportunity. You could have asked him about the Notre Dame thing that you were ranting and raving about at the start of today's show. I could have. Had Mike Tarico been able to join us live this morning, his schedule didn't allow for that. We had to record it yesterday afternoon. It's just the nature of the beast, man. It's the nature of doing business. You gotta deal with those things. Nothing you can do about that. It looks like Virginia Tech has settled on the Penn State defensive coordinator as their head coach, Jeff Pry, I believe is his name, will be uh the replacement for Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. Um, Marcus Freeman, who's the guy that the defensive coordinator that right now is the betting favorite to replace uh brian kelly at notre dame apparently brian kelly has already attempted to bring him with him to lsu and has offered to make him the highest paid coordinator in football so see we'll see how all that goes what a world what a world all right when we come back in we are going to get a tidbit and get tubular wind things down for the week a reminder, the PressBox Fantasy Football Show returns this Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. We'll chat with KZ to get ready for Week 13. Set your lineups. We'll talk about the Dalvin Cook situation. But definitely a Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Swift owner in one league. Definitely dealing with both of those this week. Totally had dropped Alexander Madison last week.
0: My I'm entire really team. Good about that. My entire – two of my teams – the entire bench is starting players that are out with injuries. That's the way it goes. That's
1: the way it goes. But we'll talk about all that on the Press Box Fantasy Football Show CCBC as well as Glory Days Grill and Maryland Department of Transportation bring it to you every Thursday morning, 1130 a.m. We will see you on Thursday. It's Glenn Clark Radio come in for glory burgers glory wings there's glory for everyone at glory days grill enjoy their award-winning burgers ribs and wings or try our fresh salads hand-cut salmon or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for our daily specials every weekday like $6.99 burgers on Mondays and $5.99 nachos on Thursdays. And watch football on their big screens every Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. Dine in and let us serve you or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. Visit us
0: at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality pro via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. I've
2: driven my tractor-trailer millions of miles, and I've seen it all. The next time you change lanes when driving, remember, because of the sheer weight and size of my truck, I'm not able to stop quickly if you cut me off and brake suddenly. One wrong decision could change our lives forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration.
0: Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details.
1: The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer to Day.
6: What's up everybody? This is Tyus Bowser. And I can't wait to see you guys for the ties Bowser show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on a roll all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Ties Bowser show. The
1: next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, December 7th at the Bowman on Harford Road in Parkville. It's brought to you by Press box grade 8's memorabilia as well as window depot baltimore window depot baltimore.com duffy's garage in baldwin duffy's garage md.com and the nfl chick sarita hubbard joins us courtesy of my bookie we can't imagine why you'd
4: want to but you can watch gcr live it's at facebook.com slash press
1: sports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube Service Center. Ask for Mobile One. Let's get a tidbit as we wind down for today's program. Tidbit is brought to you today by this print issue right here of Pressbox, which is still available, but you're running out of time. Great story on the cover from Mike Ashley, all about uh, Brenda Free's 20 seasons as Maryland head coach. I know it was a difficult trip to the Bahamas for the Maryland women as well, but that's because they were without the majority of their roster. Like they were playing, I think, with like seven players uh, down in the Bahamas. So um, that was going to happen for them. I, I think there's every reason to still have quite a bit of faith in what uh, is going on with the Maryland women this season. Go pick up that print issue today at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find pressbox. Read it all pressboxonline.com, and coming quite soon, our annual best of issue of Pressbox featuring our Mogaba sports Person of the Year. Do you know who it is? Do you? Do you want to you venture a guess? I'm not going to tell you if you're right or wrong.
0: You just want to guess? My guess is uh-huh. that it's going to be Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins. All right. Very good. Very, very good. All right. Uh, what you got? Tidbits Jonathan Taylor, in just his second season, leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns with 14, and he also has the most total touchdowns for a non quarterback with 16. For his career, t- Taylor has 28 total touchdowns to date. At his current touchdown rate for the season, he's projected to score seven more touchdowns this season, which will give him 35 in his first two seasons. Only 10 running backs have ever scored 30 or more total touchdowns in their first two seasons. Who are they? There's only one on here I don't think you'll get.
1: How many did you say there were? Ten. Ten. Um, Ezekiel Elliott. No. I'm a little surprised by that, if yeah. I'm being honest with you. Uh, Adrian Peterson? No. Okay. I'm really surprised by that. Was he hurt in one of those years? It doesn't make any sense. His
0: Well, you got to remember, his first two years, he didn't become the starter until like halfway through the season in 2007.
1: Yeah, but still a little bit. Ten touchdowns is the number we're talking about?
0: No, no, no. I, I'm sorry. The number of players is Ten. 30 plus t- oh, total. 30 plus touchdowns. 30 plus, plus total my, touchdowns. My brain. my brain, man. Sorry, that's we weren't alone. On no, that's page that's
1: on me. That's on no, that's on my brain for um for for n- the man. Uh, all right. Well, let me let me recalibrate. Well, still, I'm still a little surprised. I'm still a little surprised that Adrian Peterson didn't get there, but
0: um Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson, number two on the list with 34.
1: Okay. How about uh how about How about Thurman Thomas?
0: Thurman Thomas is not on the list. Um, how about Walter Payton? No.
1: Barry Sanders.
0: Barry Sanders is tied for the final spot at 30. Just barely made the list. Emmett Smith. He's n- surprisingly not on the list. You got to remember he was on that 1 and 15 team I his underst- first year. I I
1: understand that. I'm just they used him a lot.
0: Yeah. Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin tied for 3rd with 32. Clinton Portis. Clinton Portis tied for He was a mount- he, was, six with, he was a monster uh, as
1: a rookie. That's the only reason that like he was just an absolute monster yeah. in his first season. Uh, <laughs> Sean Alexander. No. Ladanian Tomlinson. No. Mm, I don't think it's Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk. No. Tony Dorsett. No. Yuck. Um, I will tell you there are no more Cowboys. How about Chris
0: Johnson? No. There is a Johnson on the list, though. There is a
1: Johnson on the list. There's a Johnson on the list. And it's not Chris Johnson. There's another Johnson. With Johnson. I oh, don't know. Uh this is the other Johnson.
0: David Johnson? David Johnson, thirty two. He was very good <sighs> his was. first couple of years. He was. You're not wrong. Uh Frank Gore. No.
1: Edrin James.
0: Edrin James, number one on the list, thirty five. Do I see on there you you did guess Curtis Martin? Yes, right?
1: I got okay, I've go got Dickerson, Sanders, Martin, Portis, David Johnson, and Edron James.
0: All right, you have five left.
1: I should have four left if, you four did, left? if there were ten.
0: Oh yeah, I, I didn't delete uh, James. Christian McCaffrey. No, that's surprising though. That is, is surprising.
1: surprising. Uh, b- 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 Alvin Kamara.
0: Alvin Kamara, thirty-one. Saquon Barkley. No, you have no recent players
1: no left. No recent players left. Good. Uh, Larry Zonka.
0: No. I don't, I don't,
1: I don't. Lenny Moore. No. Franco Harris. No. Did I, did I get. Walter Payton. You already guessed him. Gail Sayers.
0: Gail Sayers, 30. Two guys left. Two guys left. Roger Craig. No.
1: Uh, but, 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 Terrell Davis. No. How about no recent guys left? No recent guys left. How about Maurice Jones Drew? No. More or less recent?
0: Less recent. Oh boy. Oh boy.
1: We are going back, 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 back. Jim Brown?
0: No. I think they only play, like, 12 games a year.
1: I hear you, man, but you said it was less recent than Maurice Jones drew. So, like, I got to go back a ways in order to get there. Earl Campbell.
0: Earl Campbell, 32. When you have one guy left. Texas Rose. It's the one guy I do not think you will get in a million years.
1: All right, why don't you just go ahead and give it to me because it's 12-15.
0: Billy Sims.
1: Ah, Billy. I mean, I'm familiar with Billy Sims, but I probably would not have guessed Billy Sims. 31. All right, very good. Tidbit was also brought to you today by the Baltimore-area Chick-fil-A restaurants. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Tyus Bowser Show returns next Tuesday night. We will see you at the Bowman on Hartford Road in Parkville tie us in a special guest. We're asking you to bring out a new unwrapped toys uh, for Great 8's memorabilia and what they're doing. Find out more at grade 8 with the number 8. Uh, also, we want to thank Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, as well as MyBookie, as well as um, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com for making the show possible with PressBox and Grade 8's memorabilia. We will see you next Tuesday night the next Tyus Bowser show at the Bowman in Parkville. Here's what's coming up, totally tubular-wise, this evening. Not a lot on the local front that matters. College Hoops, UMES is at UConn at 7 on CBS Sports Network. I know you throw out all the records when those teams get together. Mount St. Mary's hosts Howard at 7 o'clock on NEC Front Row. The Big Ten ACC Challenge really kicks into high gear. Six games night, including on ESPN, Florida State, Purdue at 7.30, Duke, Ohio State at 9.30. Um, also, the new college football playoff top twenty-five will be unveiled on ESPN at seven. The rest of the college hoops find at GlennClarkRadio.com. Capitals, Panthers, at seven on NBC Sports Washington, ESPN Plus, and Hulu for Sharks, Devils, at seven, Lightning, Blues at eight. Knicks, Nets, the New York matchup tonight at seven thirty on TNT, and then a bigum—I mean, a real bigum—in the Western Conference late tonight as our Phoenix Suns take on the Golden State Warriors. The two top teams in all of the NBA combined, those two teams combined, have five losses on the season.
0: You could call them the Baltimore Suns. It fits. No,
1: I don't do that. I just call them (laughs) our Phoenix Suns. That's what I call them. Um, Those two teams have combined for five losses. The next fewest losses of any team in the NBA, six. So those two teams combined have fewer losses than anyone else in the NBA. And they're getting together tonight, the Suns and Warriors. That's a good one early on in the year in the NBA. Uh, NBC Sports Network for Leeds United and Crystal Palace at 310. The USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at 8.
0: Some non-sports highlights. Uh, La Brea on NBC at 9. Um, let's see. It's Steve- Al Michaels' favorite show. CBS, <laughs> the late show with Stephen Colbert. He's going to have uh, Peter Dinklage on tonight.
1: Is there a new Game of Thrones?
0: I, uh, I have no idea. I, all
1: right. I'm, I mean, I'm listening. Did-
0: uh the CW uh, the flash at 8 Animal Planet finding Bigfoot uncovered at 8 Maybe he's, he's maybe, maybe there's an elf too? Oh man. I'd be all in. Have you ever seen what was that um the movie Four Funerals or something like that Death at a Funeral?
1: Oh no, I've never seen I'm familiar with it but I've never seen it. No.
0: Uh-oh. Oh yeah, I forgot that he was in Uh-oh. Elf. I totally forgot he was I thought, was I thought was you were the making the author's a joke.
1: name? No, the author's name was Miles, Miles something or other. And they kept talking about it, and then the big reveal was it was Peter Dinklage.
0: Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, History Channel, Great Escapes, of Morgan Freeman at 10. And on HBO, Life of Crime, 1984 to 2020, It's a doc- that's at 9 o'clock. It's a documentary spanning 36 years in the lives of three friends dealing with drug addiction and street crimes.
1: All right. I mean, sounds, sounds intriguing. Interesting. It yeah. sounds intriguing. I would encourage you guys, if you haven't watched that bad sport thing that I was talking about earlier when it uh, comes to um, Arizona State basketball, it was really good. And then the next episode was about, I've never heard of this guy. He was a Lamont, or a, like a, uh, whatever they call the racing where like you race for hours upon hours. Uh, yeah, like I did car, a rod. No, car racing. Oh, car, car racing. Car racing, like they, they do, like, this guy, Buddy Lanier, was like a famous car racer, but in this very specific, Form it wasn't NASCAR. It's this very specific was it form.
0: The the one that that movie with was about like whether no, Ford it versus, wasn't for no, uh, It
1: wasn't that. Either. I I don't know. I just I'm I don't know enough about racing to know. But this guy Buddy Lanier was was that his name? Buddy Bobby Lanier? So I would, no, Bobby Lanier, Bob Lanier was a basketball player. I think his buddy Lanier. Maybe I'm now I'm getting Buddy the Elf. Cons- God damn it, Paul! What is happening to me? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> it's here? it's
0: the old age, man. Your brain starts to deteriorate. A Race
1: car driver named Lanier.
0: The second episode
1: of of bad... Randy Lanier is his name. I don't know what the hell just happened. I just went from <laughs> Bo- Bo- Bob Lanier to Buddy Lanier with Buddy the Elf, and now Randy Lanier <laughs> is the man's name. And it is a wild story about how he funded his entire racing career by being a, a basically a drug mule, like, or a drug kingpin. Oh, it I, is I did hear about wild, that. man. Now, the
0: drug was weed,
1: so, like, it's kind of...
0: Back then, it was a big deal.
1: I know, but like, you know, in hindsight. But it is a wild story, bro. I'm all in on this show, bad sport. I like it a lot. All right. Thanks today to, um, uh, uh, my God, Mike Tarico joined us. My brain. What is going on? Thanks to Mike Tarico. Thanks also to Patrick Stevens. We'll get that up in the Greatest Hits section of the
0: Archives.
1: tab at Clark On the program tomorrow, uh, Sal Palantonio is going to join us. Our friend from ESPN, he was uh, working the game this past Sunday and he's working the game again this Sunday for the Ravens and Steelers. We'll chat with Sal. Uh, Drew Forrester is scheduled to join us as he does every Wednesday and stuff and things, of course. Well, alright. I think it'll be Would You Rather Wednesday. I think we'll do that tomorrow. It's normally when we do it, It's on Wednesday, so we'll probably do it tomorrow. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, Exxon Mobil, KNS Automotive, the Maryland Lottery, Great 8's Memorabilia, Live Casino Hotel, the Baltimore area Chick Fil A restaurants, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, BuyAToyota.com, and my bookie. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go nobody in particular. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.